coming to you from our eternal quarantine bunkers deep in the flyover states, we reviewed Dragon Gate USA Mercury Rising 2013. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast. Welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 248. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week for the people, we went back to the spring of 2013 for Dragon Gate USA's Mercury Rising. Yes. And, uh, you know, quite a real uh, who's who of the wrestling world in 2020 on display here uh, for the most part in 2013 and uh a show that was you know a lot of fun to watch a lot of fun to go back and uh you know see some of these uh you know guys in the infancy of their Mm -hmm. careers yeah this was one of those shows that i'm so happy to have stumbled on because it is like you said stacked from top to bottom with just names that we see on just about every company's main roster right now so uh definitely a fun show to check out yes and we watched it because this is a wrestling review show each week, DP and I get together to discuss an event we agreed to watch the week before. It's the Oprah's Book Club for Wrestling Nerds. For any and all information about the show, links to Twitter, Facebook, and the rest, visit GoldenAgePodcast.com. And if you feel the need to express yourself further, maybe it's something a little longer or more involved, please send us an email at GoldenAgeGrappling at gmail.com. Absolutely, and don't be afraid to reach out and uh, get in contact with us. Uh, we're not, you know, we don't bite or anything like that. And if you've got a show that you've been watching, maybe it's something old and you're like, man, I'd love to hear someone else talk about this show. Send it our way. We do take requests. In fact, we've just had, we've had like a string of requests that we took care of just before this one. This I'm calling a host request because I just stumbled on it and decided to do it even though it was in April. But uh, yeah, yeah. Reach out. No, abs- yeah, absolutely. Please. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, feedback on the shows themselves is appreciated, but mm-hmm. absolutely. We take requests and, you know. If it can if it can be found and watched, we're willing to do so. <laughs> Definitely. So now before we can can jump back to the world of 2013 and actually talk about all these different people and different stars that are uh, now big time stars, uh, it's time to get a taste of the current world of wrestling with an appetizer served up in a segment that we call the Sid Vicious Dishes. That forward with this look on my face. It was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. It's the big dumb guy. And I have half the brain that you do. My disposition is not something I was born with. It's something I was acquired because people like you. <laughs> because you are feared of me. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. Tony, kind of like Sid pulling the the curtain back on, uh, you know, not knowing if it was live or to tape there. I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit. Usually every week I ask you ahead of time what is going to be in the Sid Vicious Dishes so we can avoid it for the current wrestling. I forgot to ask that this week, so I am so curious to know what we're talking about this week in the Uh, dish. Well, I'm glad you're interested this week. And uh, we are discussing the release of Zelina Vega. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. 
Yes. And, uh, you know, um, amongst her tweet about supporting unionization, which, you know, for a lot of people out there, she didn't get released for tweeting that she supported unionization. Yeah. I, I guess, actually, if I'm being completely honest, we don't know what the conversation detailed that mm-hmm. led to her immediate release. <laughs> uh, guessing, you know, based on that tweet, and of course, something that we've talked about over the last few weeks or month or so about the ongoing kind of confusion. Where do we stand with the Twitch cameo mm-hmm. third party stuff? Yeah. Well, same looks like it came to a head, at least for Zelina. Um, yeah. Because how they're going about this is hard to say because everything seems rather unchanged in that world, at least from at least the few of the people that like, I know oh, okay. so doing like, people like, are still doing things is what you're saying. Like, yeah, like, I, I don't, I have the people that I see doing things are still doing things. And AJ hasn't shut down his stream. I don't think so. And you know, he's going to be a good soldier. Like there's no exactly. doubt that AJ Styles is going to tail between the legs and walk <laughs> home kind of thing. Like, yeah, like Mia Yim, who again, I've mentioned that she's also in retribution, which is probably like double disliking from their standpoint that, yeah, but I, you know, who knows? I doubt they even care about retribution at this point. But yeah, so it seems like, you know, it'd been, hey, stop doing that. And nobody had stopped doing it for the most part. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I, you know, again, just speculating that it may be related to her Twitch stuff because she was certainly one of them that was you know, doing a large amount of it. And, and um, have you yeah. seen anything from because she apparently has done a Twitch stream since to kind of talk a little bit about it. And I saw oh, really? like some wrestling news website was like taking her stream and putting it in two minute containment bites of, oh, on their Jesus. Twitter and just like part one, part two, part three. I was like, yeah. Hey, maybe just link to her Twitch so I could watch it there. But thanks Dick. Uh, anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, but I mean, so, you know, that's what I mean. <clears throat> that may be more to, to, to talk about next week, but just, yeah. you know, this, this week for the stand, for the sake of, you know, I, it's a bad look for the company. They've sure. had a few of they've had many of these this year with, you know, record profits and releasing of talent. They just did another release. We didn't even talk about it because, mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to be mean, but Tony Chimmel was the only like yeah. person on camera or, you know, anyone would have probably, you know, otherwise there's a lot of people behind the scenes and in the business side of things. But, you know, they continue to lay talent off. Yeah. You know, they've, they did this third party stuff that, you know, it's. Some are working against their will to some degree, just mm-hmm. as far as like how this pandemic stuff's been handled and, you know, how they haven't necessarily done the right thing at every step with that. But, and, you know, and not trying to make this too long of a conversation, but there's also, you know, people looking at this and going, wait a second, we just had a summer where we revealed or it, was, it came to light information about people like Matt Riddle and Velveteen Dream and Austin Theory, mm-hmm. and you know the NXT UK situation. Jordan Devlin still is a part of the, you know of, the, of that roster. I mean, and listen, where, where we stand on that, you know, where they, you know, with as far as the, you know, it's only allegations mm-hmm. that we, you know, that's not the conversation. What I'm saying is, nothing happened <laughs> to those people. <laughs> For the most part, yeah, you know, you, you could question how maybe their pushes have been handled, blah, 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 blah. But they didn't lose their jobs. And that is such a black eye on the company. There's nothing mm-hmm. that could be more damaging to this company, a publicly traded company that 
loves to tell you about all the great things that they do. Yes. And all of those people, for the most part, I'm just offhand, I can't remember exactly, all have their jobs. Yeah, for the most little, part. Little sure. to no effect on them. Zelina Vega apparently was like, no, I want to twitch. <laughs> and you're like, get out. Get out, you monster. Like, you, there's no place for you in this company. Like, yeah. it just blows my mind. It is, it's kind of crazy. And I'm curious if it has a link to maybe like conversations with her got more combative after the whole like denial of Alistair's request to go to NXT because well, I saw that and, coming out in the news as well. And I'll just say, because it's funny you bring that up because I did want to get, because I did want to touch on that. Like, and the WWE, like, th- there's their power at work. You immediately start to put things out there that rem- that take her credibility away. Oh yeah, because yeah. then because then I go, oh oh she was mad about Alistair not being able to go back to the next year. Oh she was mad about her push getting stopped yeah, on yeah. Raw. Oh she was mad about how things ended with her and Andrade. Like because mm-hmm. now all that stuff's been getting co- has been coming out of no- I've left left you know left yeah. field. People all think these- that this company changed, but this is the same company that produced the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. Like, right. they're, they, if, yeah, if they, have, uh, if they need to, they can definitely make you look bad uh, just by putting out bits of information here and there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Vince McMahon's resources are far superior to a Keith Rainier. All right, let's just, if, if he wants to <laughs> tear you down, I'm sure he has the money and the resources to do so. Um, yeah, so I, I hate to see it. I think that this is far from the end for her. This is possibly the beginning of something big. It has the potential. Yeah. There's been the Yang gang embracing Zelina Vega. She's been welcomed in. Yeah. Andrew Yang tweeting he hasn't forgotten about Vince McMahon, which I love that this is turning into like a wrestling angle now. Where he's like Like adding Vince. Yeah. He's going to be at the 30th entrant in the Royal Rumble. Oh, Um, goodness. No, you know, and and then the SAG stuff, the Screen Actors Guild. That was what I was about to say, yeah. Which it's funny. All of a sudden, uh, they had had their noses in the air to professional wrestlers, and that's why this had never been a conversation. Mm-hmm. And now, hey, this could look pretty. You know, all of a sudden, hey, maybe we'll let wrestlers well, be in. So it did seem like there was there was a lot of a push last time that we had this conversation when like Andrew Yang first got on it when the whole thing right. with the Twitch thing was announced, like. Yeah. There was like a bit of momentum there because we had a little bit of it. We thought we were going to get with the whole like uh, the, the the last week tonight, like expose on WWE that they did like a year ago that mm-hmm. ended up kind of going nowhere. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, this was this, the next push here. But when that push happened, I remember seeing a ton of people tweeting at the Screen Actors Guild and being like, how are these people not covered under what you're doing? Like, yeah. how do they not belong into this this group? And it's like, yeah, no, it does. It makes perfect sense. Either that or the stuntman union. And it's like, they've got a union too. So like, why <laughs> there should yeah. be like, there, there should be a union for this. Like if you're not going to give them employee status, at least there should definitely be something like this. So, I just wish uh, yeah. that we could get anyone that is a big part of the company at the time to do it because it's always the people that they, the WWE mm-hmm. has the ability to just cast off as disgruntled former, former employees. Yeah, that's exactly where I was about to, you know, that was the next thing I was going to bring up was just, you know, sadly, who's who's said anything since Zelina? Yeah. You know, Renee Young. Yeah, Mike Renee Bennett, Young, Mike Bennett. Yeah. You know, I saw Paige give like a, oh, no, like, hey, hey, Paige. Like, yeah. Where do you stand on this? Because she's another one of the weird ones that 
she barely works for the company anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've been wondering, I've been entered to see where she stands on this and if she would just be willing to cut and ties and keep doing her own thing. One of the most active as far as like the Twitch thing yeah. goes. Like that is like her big thing that she does now. So I was so it, so it would be nice, like you said, if anybody else yeah. would come out and do something. And I'm not trying to put unwarranted and unnecessary pressure or heat on somebody, but Xavier Woods has an awfully large platform. Yeah. A platform that at this point is allotted to him in part thanks to Vince McMahon and the WWE. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's I am curious like he's under their umbrella. You I know what curious, I mean? And like he like, gets to what, do whatever he wants. I'm curious what the the deal was that he made with them on this because you know, clearly it seems like everything that they've done lately is designed to make sure that wrestlers can't have any leverage. Exactly. That's exactly what they do. Every time someone starts to get crazy over with the internet, they put a cold rag on it. You know, it, 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 as long as you're not, you know, it has to be their design of everything. Give us collateral. Yes. Collateral. And it just seems like every, and and after watching the, like the stone cold leaving and everything earlier and reviewing that kind of stuff, it really kind of brings to mind how much it seems like Vince got hurt a few times and has just decided never again. He's never going to let anyone get that big because he wants the company to be the star. And, and this that allows was, yeah. him to twist the knife and and you know exert his control over these you know independent contractors. And this it's funny that this had happened, and I'm surprised I haven't seen anybody like go back to it because before the Zelina Vegas stuff happened earlier in the week, Alexa Bliss did an interview, and I think it was with maybe SI or with somebody like a video podcast kind of thing, mm-hmm. where she defended the WWE against the criticism about their workers being independent contractors saying, unfortunately, we live in a cancel culture that's always, you know, looking to, you know, tear things down. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't believe nobody has gone back to this interview after the Zelina Vega thing happened, because that shows you right there that there are plenty of people that are just perfectly content. Well, with how perfectly content for them or and no, they don't care. Yeah. that they have to toe the line. They're the Seth Rollins right. position. Like, look, yeah. I'm that person right now in the company and I'm not jeopardizing that. And that's the the issue with unions is especially in a company like this, where it's like it's all based on like skill and abilities. And like there's definitely a tier to this. It's not like everyone can just be replaced with another. I mean, the company likes to think they can. But, you know, for the individual contractors and the individual people, the people at the top don't want to be in the middle of the card. They don't want to be at the bottom of the card. They don't want to be making the money that people at the bottom of the card are making. And they don't want to jeopardize that. So they toe the line. And it's just like every time that one of these things happens. There's somebody that's already that has given an interview like that. It's just like a regular occurrence that we just see these people that are, are in the major spotlight currently on TV and the current storylines. They're the ones that are towing the line the most. And Alexa Bliss, right. who's the fiend's boyfriend, of course, is right. towing the line. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. So, uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that this is how they're handling things. Um, it'll be interesting to see if anything changes moving forward. Um, like we had kind of talked about, you know, it's going to take more than someone that just quit or was just fired mm-hmm. and then people that no longer work in the company. I texted you like it's kind of like the Jeff Flakes of the world who I got so sick of hearing the media talk to. He's the Congress Senate from Tennessee guy, the Republican that oh, retired. Okay. And then he loved to talk about how he disagreed with everything <laughs> that Trump was doing. All this. Stuff. It's like, yeah. Thanks, dude. Now that you're retired, mm-hmm. I don't really give a shit what you think. You know, like you yeah. just got the hell out of there because you didn't have to put up with it. <laughs> and that's what you see, unfortunately, with, you know, 
all these people that are willing to come out and say something about mm-hmm. the WWE, well, unfortunately, they don't work there anymore. So yeah. it doesn't it doesn't exactly do a whole lot of good for anybody. So, oh man, well, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, this is going to continue. Where there's a there's a continuing storyline here with you know the coming possibility of Andrew Yang actually having an official position that would have any sort of investigatory power is very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens. Absolutely. So now let's head back and uh, get back to 2013 to talk about our current show that we've got to talk about. So let's push the gas pedal, get up to 88 miles an hour, and flash back to April of 2013 with the four things. Four. The four things time capsule. The four things are... Number one, in news that I'm sure a lot of people remember, uh, March 4th, the Papal Conclave began to select the successor of Pope Benedict the, like, 16th or some shit. Uh, You don't know your Roman numerals. Evil Emperor Pope retired, and we got to get a new guy. And so then a couple days later, on March 13th, Cardinal Jorge Mario Bergoglio is elected the new pope, taking the name Pope Francis. Right, that was the whole uh, smoke signal thing, right? Yes. And we were like, news networks were just like constantly streaming a shot of the, little the top pipe. of a building. Yep. Yeah, that tiny yeah, little was... pipe that they put their ballots in, yeah. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> uh, speaking of like power changes and control, on March 14th, the day after the cardinal was, the pope was elected, I guess, Xi Jinping was named the new president of the People's Republic of China, and Winnie the Pooh has been a bane on most people's existence ever since. All right, then. <laughs> Doesn't seem like anyone likes Xi Jinping. He's like the one, the, oh, the uniting I factor see. in like in America. Like, the Republicans don't like him. The Democrats oh, don't I, like him. I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought he had said something about Winnie the Pooh. Oh, no, he, he has. He has uh, Winnie the Pooh is like a banned image on most social media in <laughs> China because they said that he looks like him, and he took offense uh, to that. Oh, oh bother. <laughs> Number two, looking at the news of the world of music on March 26th, in uh, a, a single that was released that would then be kind of the coming of the next pop starlet, Ariana Grande released her first single, The Way, in 2013. I don't and remember that was, song. And it was a way she went. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that was... Is she still a thing? Oh, dude, yeah. She's, okay. like, everywhere. <laughs> all right. Constant. All right. I, well, I just, I mean, literally, like, I don't, you know, I just I know. haven't seen any You're of not that. in that world. See, I, I, I have to cater to women in their 30s and 40s and, uh, and children <laughs> with our radio company, so I get to see all these songs. But, yeah, every song see, that she puts out gets on the, in the, on the charts, and most of them okay. don't end up on our playlist because our music guy is like, no, she's talking about someone eating her out. We can't put that on mm. here. And it's like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, someone has to think about the children. March 15th of 2013, Justin Timberlake released his third studio album, The 2020 Experience. So seven years ahead of 2020, uh, he had that out. Um, And then March 22nd. Ahead of of the game there, huh? (laughs) A little bit. Also on March 22nd of 2013, the American rock band My Chemical Romance announced their breakup. So Mm. that was what was going on in the world of music. Yeah, that was we're still crying our mascara tears all these years later about that one. I, I won't have you talking negatively about my chemical romance. I'm being <laughs> sincere no, in a slightly comedic way. Like, I like I them. You. I got you. Number three, taking a look at the films releasing in American cinemas in the lead up to tonight's event. We start on March 20th when a movie that I've not seen still, but I've heard a lot of people talk about. Olympus Has Fallen released. It made $212 million. 
<laughs> not to be confused with White House Down. Yes. Right? Isn't that the name of the other one? <laughs> that one came out like Olymp- weeks before, I think. <laughs> Olympus has fallen. Is that Jamie Foxx? Which one's got Gerard Butler? I think that's that one. <laughs> I think those two are, are in w- together, whichever one it is. Okay. I feel like the other one may involve is Channing Tatum and like Channing Tatum. Yeah. Oh, who's the guy from the fucking? I don't want to. I don't want to be wrong. Morgan Freeman is the other. Uh, is it? Was in one of those okay. two. Um, okay. Yeah, that movie released. I never saw it, but. You know, right. it okay. made yeah. made a good amount of money. The Place Beyond the Pines also released to critical that's reception. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's some good stuff there. And then a movie that I'd forgotten came out, a romantic comedy that I watched on a cruise ship on my family vacation that next year, Admission, with Tina Fey and Paul Rudd, came out making $22 million. It is totally harmless. If you watch it, you'll enjoy yeah. it. You won't remember yeah. it in six years. No, it, well, and I mean, listen, that's you just described Paul Rudd and Tina Fey kind of. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and then the Chinese film The Host released, or maybe South Korean, I think, actually. Uh, That's March, cool stuff. That is good stuff. March 27th, G.I. Joe Retaliation released, making $411 million, way more than the first one. Is that yeah, So that's the second one. Yeah. Those movies have such an interesting like production story behind them, because by the time they made that second one, everyone was like, I why? don't want to do it. Yeah. And then they're like, come on, please come back. And so that's why... They bring the rock in because don't they kill? Spoiler alert! Like don't they kill Channing Tatum like fairly early off? In they the movie might. Or something? I don't know. I knew. I, I just think that it's hilarious that like the rock is injected and like three hundred million dollars is added to the the amount of money that they make. And then they stopped. Maybe they were just like, <laughs> we better call it good while we like while we're on top or something. Another movie that released taking on GI Joe Retaliation. I did not know about. It's a Danny Boyle film, so I feel like I need to check it out. It's called Trance. It made twenty two million dollars. Hmm. I'm not sure about that one. And Tyler Perry's Temptation released that same weekend, making $68 million. On April 3rd, the last week before this show, the Evil Dead remake released, making $113 million. I don't think I've seen that one. Ooh, I, I recommend it. It's actually um, it's a pretty solid remake. It doesn't have the charm yeah. of the original at all. But, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty well-made movie. I just picked up The Evil Dead and The Evil Dead 2, the original versions, on 4K this week at Walmart. Oh. They're like 14 bucks a piece, so I was yeah. pretty happy. You know what would be that. awesome is if there weren't stupid studio problems and the third one could be a part of that stuff. But that's why <laughs> yeah. Army of Darkness isn't allowed to even be a part of like the Ash versus the Evil Dead like Canon uh, timeline. Oh, okay. Like, it's not that... You know, it's Have the, you watched it's that only... show, by the way? Not to derail us yeah, too much, because I thought that show yeah. was fantastic, the little bit I've seen yeah. of it. Yeah. And number four, oh boy, the Billboard Hot 100 charts. It's always a snapshot of time, and uh, we take a look here at the song that was at the top. It was in its 25th, 25th week on the charts, but it wasn't number mm-hmm. one last week. Uh, the mm-hmm. song that was number one was Macklemore's Thrift Shop. It's fine. I'm sure you've heard it. You're... You remember that. You remember that one. But the song that it dethroned the week before this is the one that I want to play for you. Because this song had a very short-lived lifespan, Tony. It's related to an internet meme, a really oh fast-rising internet meme. And oh God. it went everywhere. Like the Today Show, all the shows were doing sure. things about it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Probably. It's the Harlem Shake. No. <laughs> Uh. 
The thing is, that's a, like a two minute and th- four fifty second song, but that beginning yeah. thirty seconds is so cut perfectly for memes and jokes on Twitter oh, yeah. and Vine, and that was exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's amazing, <laughs> like how big things like that would get. Because you know what's funny now? It's like it's just so oversaturated. Yeah, it, it's hard to even imagine that just seven years ago, like something like that could happen, and it would be like a big deal for more than like mm-hmm. six hours. Cause like there's <laughs> like, yeah. still songs that this that are having this effect as far as like probably the number of videos that are being produced about them, like with TikTok right. and all these songs that randomly show up at the top of the billboard charts at one, like for a week, mm-hmm. but there's so many and it's such a constant thing that it's not yeah. catching the greater world by storm. It's just the people that know about TikTok know about it and everyone else is just like, wait, what is going on? Why is this song? That's about like, you know, going down on someone number one again. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, there you go, the Harlem Shake. Oh, yeah, a blast from the past for me on that one. Uh, so that now brings us to the weekend of WrestleMania 29. It's the big return match that had the year-long build that managed to squash CM Punk in the process. The Rock versus John Cena. The Rock just had his G.I. Joe retaliation release, and he's the yeah. world champion going into WrestleMania. Um, but we're not here to talk about WrestleMania and, and the WWE. We're here to talk about WrestleCon, which took place around that event. Yeah, exactly. Over the course of the weekend, multiple companies ran multiple shows. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think this was the first year no. of this by any means. But, you know, obviously this is something that we see fairly common nowadays, especially mm-hmm. around WrestleMania weekend, I mean, you know, aside from current circumstances. Yeah, and it's something that these companies rely on. As we saw this year with them, like, kind of basically putting on the event in Indianapolis a couple months ago right. because there was a, a period of time that they could do it in. Um, sure. Yeah, this the 2013 WrestleCon featured a one-day tournament and Evolve featured CZW with a show, Kaiju Big Battle, Shimmer, which included Shimmer Champion Steel Cage match between champion Soraya Knight and cheerleader Melissa, which I'd actually like to see that match. Um, Mia Yim, Serena Deeb on the card, Mercedes Martinez, Allison Kay, Rhea O'Reilly, and the world-famous Kana all appearing on that card. Um, Chikara had a show, $5 Wrestling had a show that had Freight Train featured heavily. I mentioned a lot of the ladies because most of the other shows that had men in them are all the guys we're going to see on tonight's show. That is the thing that I saw very early from this. Like, WrestleCon very early on was like, let's get everyone in the in the same buildings so we can have everybody on the same cards. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but this is the Dragon Gate USA. It's their turn to uh, entertain the masses Which, over the course of this weekend. I, th- I feel like in 2013, they must have been like the big guys on the block because... They basically held an event every night. It seemed like all three, like, cause they've had three shows leading up well, to this one. Well, the thing was, is that this is like, it's that weird Gabe Sapolsky, WWN wrestling, world wrestling network thing where mm-hmm. it's evolve dragon gate. Like they're all under like the same umbrella. Oh, so I think, okay. I think those were, ev- I think that was like an evolve show. Okay. That, that just, would make that more sense. Had, that just had all these same people on it. Gotcha. Rather than it being an actual Dragon Gate show. I'm not positive about that, but I know that they're all under the same umbrella, or a lot of these companies are. I w- I'm very curious to find out if there's a way to watch the night before show, because I want to watch Shingo versus Johnny Gargano so badly. 
but I feel like you can probably find it out there somewhere. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do a big search for that later on. But yeah, this this is the the show that kind of capped off the weekend, is according to the announcer and according to everything mm-hmm. that I read online. Um, it was kind of like the last show right before Mania. So I don't know if this was taking place the day of Mania, and that's why everyone fucking bolts out the door as soon as the pinfall happens. <laughs> <laughs> but it might or if be. it was the night before, because it could also have just been really late night the night before. Who knows? I, yeah, I'd have to look at the date of WrestleMania that year. This might, might be, though. They might be getting the hell out of there and trying to get to WrestleMania. Because this one takes place in the Meadowlands Expo Center in Secaucus, New Jersey. Secaucus? Secaucus? I'm not sure. Eh, you know. But uh, as we opened, before I had found that information out, I was like, this is some sort of industrial park building, because you can see like the, the overlooking offices in the background and just a big yeah. open floor that we're on. Uh, but yeah, the the show opens. Uh, we get the fans chanting "Dragon Gate," and then a hard cut to the hard cam for our first match at the you know Secaucus Expo Center. It's match number one: Soldier Ant with Fire Ant taking on Anthony Nice. So some Chikara representation here. I'm not sure where Anthony Nice was like based out of generally, but this is a guy that we've seen then go on to be in you know WWE and really look oh, good on a lot of a lot of matches. Um, and then, yeah, then was yeah. relegated to 205 Live and may still be there today. I don't know. He is. He is. I think they uh, mentioned here at some point he's recently signed, I think, with Evolve, maybe. I can't remember. Oh, uh, okay. Is what may have him here. But, yeah, Lenny Leonard is our play-by-play man and welcomes us to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be joined later by Drew Gulak. You'll hear parts of that. Yes. For, for a little bit, we'll have some Drew Gulak, yeah. <laughs> Drew's busy at the moment. Um yeah, Nice, yeah, even at this point in 2013, has kind of already got his gimmick figured out. Like, he's the premier athlete. He's just the guy that's really in shape that can do crazy things. And that's what I mean, he hey, is. Hey, get abs. You know, like, that can be your gimmick, <laughs> but you have to have abs. You Dude, know, like that's Jade the, Cargill's yeah. probably going to be in the same position. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, you just have to be really impressive if that's going to be your gimmick. Um, so, yeah, we get a lockup here between the men. Uh, What'd you think of this so- man that he's got with him? This very wide suited man oh, that's got this. I- blues brothers cap on what do they say is mr a is what they call him later i don't mm-hmm. know it was he looked like it was a big bubba ripoff like big bubba rogers yeah you know jcp bodyguard thing <laughs> um yeah i don't know whatever uh yeah they lock up soldier ant headlock takeover um sweep of the legs from soldier ant the crowd claps arm drag from the ant followed by a hip toss niece rolls out uh but catches the but catches Soldier Ant. Mm-hmm. Nice then hits a great moonsault dive to the floor, and uh, Nice says, "There's nobody better than him." He's very <laughs> very arrogant man. Oh yeah, yeah. As soon as that, like he hits him, and then he starts flexing for the crowd, talking about how great right. he is. And the thing I love about all of the Chikara people, all the characters that come out of Chikara, is how committed they are to their the, the character. Like oh, yeah. the, the colony, I've always loved like the little things about each individual ant that are different. And like here, just right. before the match starts, you know, the referee's asking, you know, each man, are they ready or do they understand what's going on? And when he asks, you know, right. the soldier, he's like, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> little things like that. Like he salutes at the beginning of the match. Like it's just uh, hilarious to me. Oh, it is. After, yeah, you totally forget about the action, the taking the soldier part of it seriously. Yeah. So lion salt by Nice for a two count. Uh, nice tells the ref he has to count faster. And the crowd's clapping for Soldier Ant to try to get back into this one. And I just have here, I love the random guy that, like, because there's a soldier gimmick, tries to start a, a hacksaw-style USA chant, and nobody bites. That's been almost all Anthony Nice here in the opening moments, but Soldier Ant continuing to fight on. Reversal. 
my niece. <laughs> Not one person starts a clap. Nobody says anything after. It's just it's, forget it's that like, guy. It, it's almost impressive that no that nobody. Yeah. Said anything like I can't like not one other person in this entire crowd went along with that. Oh, and yeah, I just and also just a, a really well done imitation of the exact way that Hacksaw would always say that with the true. USA. Uh, true. Soldier Ant fires up with some chops, but we get a quick stop to that hope spot from Anthony Nice. Uh, Ant with a great cartwheel series of moves and begins taking control. He hits an awesome saluting spinning head scissors, which I enjoyed, and then a one arm buckle bomb by Anthony Nice on Soldier Ant. He climbs up top very quickly, hits the 450 splash, and gets your win in this one. A short one, but I thought a pretty good opener. Uh, your winner, Anthony Nice. Yeah, solid opener. Uh, these guys went, you know, worked really well together. Uh, Soldier Ant is a very talented performer, and Anthony who, Nice looked great here in the win. Who performs as Soldier Ant? Because I know that, like... I'm almost 1,000% sure that's Gulak. Okay, because I thought Gulak was on the card as an ant at some point, but I couldn't remember if he was one of the other ants or if he's soldier. Okay, yeah, so yeah. I'm almost 100% positive that that's right. Gulak. Because we've also got Fire Ant, which, uh, you know, reportedly Orange Cassidy. So there right, you go. Right. Um, which is always also very interesting because those are such different characters. Fire Ant is very <laughs> fiery and, you know, feisty and all that stuff. Right, exactly. Um, niece, though, is new here and wants to introduce himself to everybody. He gets a microphone and says, two years ago, he said he was going to build a support staff. And two I was like, years ago? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I would have brought that up, because mm -hmm. that's kind of sad that you said that <laughs> two years ago. And in two years, this is what you've got. <laughs> like, it's mass transit looking dude, just like Big Bubba Rogers, oh. who is called Mr. A. Like, nothing interesting about him. Yeah. He's, he's his director of brand imaging, we're told. Oh, God, yeah. But anyway, he's going to be really rough with Fire Ant, so have fun bumping for this guy as he <laughs> choke slams the shit out of Fire Ant. Yeah. Um, and then can I'll tell you what, though. This is one of the best big man splashes off the top rope I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it looks brutal, man. <laughs> like, but he, but I mean, I'm saying, like, he did an amazing job, like, not okay. killing the fairy. Like, and it looked great. Like, I mean, you can just tell, like, that is, it's a perfectly done splash off the top. I do have to say that. Maybe that that's his whole like that's why he got the job. They're like, man, but he's got the splash. We got to go with yeah. it. He's like a pillow coming off of there. Um, what was crowd, the announcer's though, name again? Lenny. Lenny Leonard. Lenny Leonard. I missed time. it. So my yeah. entire notes are just the announcer. So I want to make sure that I remember well, Lenny. All right. He doesn't do a great job of ever reintroducing himself. I think no. he says his name once in the first like <laughs> minute of the show, and that's it. Um, yeah, the crowd, and this happens a few times, and it's probably. These WrestleCon kind of shows, you're not necessarily maybe getting your like hometown crowd yeah. who are in everything. Because, man, there's a few times on this show where it just goes crickets. And this is one of those where it's like <laughs> he does that splash. You can hear every noise the ring makes when he hits the mm -hmm. mat. Yeah. Because there is not, they're not even talking amongst themselves. Like there's just silence in the building. Yeah. No, it's obviously, you know, this is a heel character they're trying to get over. He's got this heel yeah. manager, and it's like, and you're putting him over on characters that a lot of people really enjoy seeing in other companies that aren't Chikara. Like, you've got these right. these ants that have been so long, like, they've got an insanely long storyline. Like, if you oh, just yeah. go on Wikipedia and decide to spend a day <laughs> reading Chikara stories, you could. <laughs> Ridiculous. No, you're not wrong, though. But yeah, I just no. I felt like people were hoping for more from Soldier Ant. Instead, he was just the man that took the pinfall here for this build. Um, they don't have any kind of 
filler or transitions. They've got their I graphics package they paid for as a, as the show, and it just yeah. it runs on a loop, and so it keeps confusing me because they keep like throwing it to it, and it'll be like a random image from the main event or like a semi main event. And it's like, oh, is that next? No, no, it isn't. Well, because it also yeah, it only has two matches on it, and one of those <laughs> matches happens in the middle of the card. Yeah. So. Yeah, but you keep seeing the gra- the, the graphic for it. Um, so yeah, so there's just dead air at times, mm-hmm. kind of just nothing happening. Because listen, I'm not trying to be mean. Lenny Leonard's okay, yeah. but it's a very monotone, never too high, never too low kind of a style. Yeah, which is okay. And when he doesn't have a color guy, it is just not great. I mean, he's just he's just telling you what's happening. Like, yeah, yeah. it's one of the yeah. things that you, if you start to like, you know, zone him out a little bit, you you can, and it's not going to hurt you watching the product. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but anyway, yeah. So we can go straight to match number two. It's Scott Reed with Larry Dallas and Trita Michaels taking on Caleb Conley. Yeah, don't call me the dirty white girl. I'm the evil white girl, Trina. Yeah. Whatever okay. her name was. That's that's fair. Also, it took me like five times of Lenny saying Larry Dallas's name for me to get the word Dallas. I had like Eddie Nellis for the first time yeah. that I wrote it down. Because yeah, because he doesn't say it all that like clearly. No. Any point, like, it's, it takes a while before you actually hear like a clear Dallas come out of there. Um, yeah, this is another angle where it's like I understand this is a big show, so you want to do a big, you know, you want to have to do a blow off, but. Again, I don't think this entire crowd's familiar with all of the Dragon Gate storylines and angles. Mm-hmm. This is like a tag team dissolving, you know, yes. big blow off match. And yeah, I'm not sure the crowd's aware. Like Larry Dallas, I guess, has this stable, and these guys are part of it in this tag team. And Caleb Conley has been sick of it. We're told very early on that he, yeah. he's, you know, he said he's sick of the booze, he's sick of the lifestyle, and so he wants to be done with it. And Scott Reed didn't take kindly to that. So now they're. They're yeah. trying to beat him up. And Caleb Conley, you know, he's been everywhere at one time or another. He's one of the high spots guys. You know, that oh, okay. A big part of that. And uh, he's also currently a part of Impact and is involved in an angle with uh, Tennille Dashwood. So, oh, really? Okay. There nice. There you go. Scott Reed. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm <laughs> For not some sure reason, I care. His name is is hitting my brain because I looked up Christina Von Erie later on and she married right. somebody that she was a tag team partner with at some point. And uh. I think his name was Scott, but I don't know if it's this guy. I think it might be a different Scott. I think it's a guy Give that's not on this card. Give me the map, Scott. Yeah, but I'm yeah, not sure. So Scott Reed is showing off Trina for the crowd here. We're told that he's fighting his former tag partner, like you said. And Connolly is going right after Dallas, like just like getting fired up before the match even starts, trying to get at the manager. Yeah, uh, we also have a "She's Got Herpes" chant <laughs> before the match starts. Yeah, this warms, warms my heart. The old ECW chants. Um, <laughs> and listen, no, I'm not going to say it. Um, anyways, jawbreaker, then a high knee from Scott Reed. Uh, Connolly though catches the big man with a drop kick. I say big man; he's like short and stout, but he's bigger. Yeah, than he's, he's a thicker dude. Yeah, a uh, scissor kick then from Conley gets a two count. Uh, Conley, though, is tripped and then goes to the outside to give chase to that evil Larry Dallas man. Uh, Reed, though, takes advantage of this and catches Conley while he's running around the ring, slides him back inside, and Conley is whipped into the corner, and he Bret hearts it, falling hard to the mat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the hard Irish whip there. Uh, 
he throws Connolly to the floor right after that. Trina kicks him, which yeah. doesn't seem like it's all that brutal, and he kind of no-sells it, but the distractions allow Reed to get the kick and throw him back into the ring. Uh, so he's still in control here. We get a stalled vertical suplex, but Connolly counters out of it. He gets the O'Connor roll for a two count and then hits the spine buster on Reed. And uh, Connolly starts hitting with forearms. He puts Reed in the ropes, but Dallas trips up Kevin Connolly. And so Con- Kevin Connolly, <laughs> Caleb Connolly. And Connolly has to like call for Reed to attack him here. I was like, this is the part where the match kind of broke down for me. It looked like yeah. Caleb Connolly is trying to get all these guys to get on the same page and we're just slightly off on our timing of things because we get a lot of Connolly looking to each man that's about to hit him before they actually do. Yeah. He seems to be the only one that knows what the hell's going on here. Yes. Is what it would appear. Yeah. Um, Connolly hits a dive on Dallas, then gets in the ring and hits one on the other side. Got Reed sending him into the crowd. Uh, he rack actually Reed is a bitch on this. And Connolly tries to rack him on the guardrail, and Scott Reed's like, "No, I'm not going to let you do it." And then they kind of <laughs> falls awkwardly to the ground. Uh, we then get a drop kick from Connolly, followed by a basement lariat. Uh, Caleb with the German suplex, but only manages a two count on his former tag team partner, Scott Reed. Yeah. So then he starts doing the kicks to the chest, but he misses a third one and Reed turns it into a pump handle backbreaker and then just muscles up the dead weight of Connolly for a sit out power bomb. But still, he's able to kick out a two. Trina begins helping the audience clap like they're clapping for his dude, even though they're clearly clapping for Connolly. Um, yeah, <laughs> made me I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what she's doing there. Uh, but now to the top, Reed wants the superplex. Connolly counters, but the counter of the counter allows Reed to hit the springboard Hurricane Rana. Connolly no-sells it and then hits a lariat. He takes one right back and then hits a double-jump moonsault onto Reed for a two-count as the match is kind of hitting a, a good fever pitch here at the end. Larry Dallas, though, gets into the ring. He confronts Connolly, and Connolly gets a chair to the gut when the ref isn't looking. And the smash mouth move from Scott Reed, which is like the crossroads, but slightly different, I think. Uh, and he spins in the other direction, maybe. But he gets the pin for the three count. Your winner is Scott Reed. The heels win. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah. A disappointing ending to the match there. and It, it all kind of got convoluted with the Larry Dallas involvement. Um, yeah, there were flashes of, of really good stuff in this match. And yeah. that probably has almost all to do with Caleb Connolly, who's... <laughs> Very talented and continues to do it to this day. So seems to be the case. Yeah, I, I hadn't realized that he's you know kind of still around. But yeah, watching <laughs> this, it seemed like he was the, the standout here. Um, but yeah, Reed and his friends head to the back. Trina tries to get the crowd to cheer for yeah. them. They won't. Well, one thing, and this is I saw. I, I don't know. Only a couple of guys did. I didn't see a lot of it. One of my biggest hates in indie wrestling and really any level of pro wrestling. I don't like I'm going to get in the face of the loud guy at ringside, the loud fan at ringside. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to be the I'm going to do the tough guy thing. Like I'm going to yeah. kind of break the character thing. I, I hate it because here's what happens. Ninety nine percent of the time you're not going to do anything because you're an employee of this company like they mm-hmm. can. And most of the time you have just fallen into their trap and they can smile and say whatever they want while you stand there looking like a tough guy, ultimately looking like an idiot when you walk away doing nothing to them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was a, he does this here, and I hate it. And somebody else does it later, and I'm just oh, I hate it so ricochet. much. Ricochet just ricochet does it later. Ricochet does it. Yes, ricochet <laughs> does it later. Like, and he and it might be like a character thing more for him. Yeah, but it still just kind of ends up making you look like an idiot because. You're not going to scare these people most of the time. Like, they know how the show works, you know? The most scary mother... Like, Scott fucking, 
like Scotty Steiner would used to do yeah. this, and he would like mm-hmm. every time he looked like an idiot because the fans knew the. He laughed. Yeah, they would just laugh at him. Like, yeah, <sighs> some it was some drunk frat boys. They were like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and then mm-hmm. you just look like a dummy. So, uh, but I Hate will it. say, Didn't like it here. I you know as much as this we're, you know we're not saying this was a great match by any means and the good things were by Connolly I ended up enjoying this more than I thought I would when I, both these oh. guys were announced coming into the ring. Oh yeah no I mean it's a solid little match. These first two matches are you know kind of short and sweet they're both mm-hmm. fine. So then we go to match number three. Not a lot in between the car- the matches unless no. there's like promos to no, be given just just awkward silence and the hum that plays constantly when, over this show when tony niece grabbed the microphone though i thought for sure that we were going to get a promo after every match but it's just you know <laughs> they were introducing that sort of thing right but match Thank number God. three is a tag team match it's the team of duff duf eric cannon and sammy callahan battling the super smash brothers player uno and player dose out of lots of places but mainly where i heard about them early was chikara yeah, well, yeah, or yeah, or Canada also their home. That's well, the, yeah, the, for the, sure. I'm just, I'm but joking. I always Ring love of Honor. Also, is where I remember that was the first place I saw him. I've I, I've come to really enjoy any time that we get a chance to see Eric Cannon on the show. Like I hope that I oh. have you know, there's not like some crazy story that I've not heard about about him because he seems like he's just always you know uh, an underrated dude on these cards. He's just a the definition of an indie, you know a all-around great indie guy mm-hmm. you know seems to be pretty well respected by most all you know he's nice. the guy that pbr at one time sponsored so he had that going <laughs> for him while he was also an independent wrestler uh eric cannon's a guy that i used to see when i was in high school when i was going to wrestling shows you know mm-hmm. i can never seen the anarchist eric cannon and uh yeah i always liked his style um, he was you know someone that stood out and was a little bit different so yeah definitely big fan of his and so him and Callahan kind of look very similar here at this point. Like Callahan's a dude that would go on to really get in shape and like change the way that his body looks. But at this early time, man, he is just a little ball of like meat and muscle and, and fat and like bad hair. And it is like this weird package that he is selling here. Well, he's in full Solomon Crow mode here. Yes. Like, this is right around the time that he probably would have been coming into NXT. Like okay. I can't remember. Like maybe at least it, getting getting close to that, if not close to that, if not, yeah, because he that's the look that he has here is the same kind of look that he would come into NXT with, but it's just not a good look at all. No, <laughs> not at all. So. Oh, but I I enjoy the Super Smash Brothers. I remember always hearing about them in like the Smart Wrestling fan with Wiggly. They would always report on like the results of all these indie shows and ROH shows mm-hmm. and stuff. And the Super Smash Brothers were always guys that I were interested in because of their name, because of the name of their finishers and such. And so then when I finally got to see them, I was excited about it. And I still, to this day, I you know, as much as Evil Uno has you know continued to evolve his character, that player Uno mask, I fucking love that mask. I don't know, oh, it's yeah. so simple, but it's awesome. No, it is. It's an awesome mask. Um, yeah, they're they're still great to this day. They were, you know, great at this time. Um, yeah, yeah. More on that. Yeah, we'll get into the match here, though. Um, yeah, Eric Cannon and Sim and Sammy Callahan are on top of the uh, Super Smash Bros. right before the bell or right at the bell. Um, Uno hits a pile driver after a place kick from Stu Gray or from player Dose, uh, you know, now Stu Grayson, mm-hmm. uh, Cannon and Cannon and player Dose are in the ring. Uh, Eric came with a kick to the back of Dose. Eric then with a suplex gets a two count. Uh, Dose avoids another suplex attempt and hits a reverse DDT. Oh yeah. And Drew Gulak is on commentary. 
and won't stop talking about how this won't be a physique match. He, he <laughs> can't talk. Can't, he can't stop talking about the bodies of all four oh, of these men. I can't. I, I was just imagining. I was like, is this the reason that Stu Grayson was like, I'm going to get fucking shredded. Like, <laughs> like, like he watched this match and was pissed off at Drew Gulak. It's all thanks to Drew. Oh, yeah, because the legal eagle joins the announce team here. Um, he says he's not having any fun. <laughs> the gentleman's club got screwed last night. He's not happy with the matches they have tonight. And, uh, yeah. And so Eric Cannon's got his Jinko cut wrestling pants here. He, like you said, oh, takes yeah. the inverted DDT there. Um, Gulak calls Sammy Callahan a dirty, ugly individual, which made me laugh. Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with that. I th- Sammy uh, Callahan would agree with that. That is the exact image yeah. he was trying to portray at this point. So You're not wrong. Yeah, the Gentleman's Club is probably the best part of any of this. It like, is the weirdest group, though. Well, but I mean, outside of that, it's something that I <laughs> feel like I'd like to see a lot more of. Definitely. Yeah, I want to know how the Swamp Monster got involved. I'd love to see more of, of this group just interacting with each other. Their disabled war veteran friend. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah, is uh, for a long time I had in my notes as crippled girl because that's what Lenny calls him the first time. Right. <laughs> so I was just like, I guess there's a girl that's in a wheelchair that's part of the gentleman club. I don't know. No one's sure. Um, oh. Cannon uh, catches, I think Uno at this point after a palm strike from Uno. Yeah, Cannon catches him with a swinging neckbreaker. Callahan tags in, stomps repeatedly on Uno's head as he's holding his arms back. So. Brutal yeah. stuff there. Uh, Callahan with a slam gets a two count. Sammy then has his uh, kick caught and handed to the referee before Uno then delivered a neck breaker and got a two count. A spot that I would love to know, like, who did that first? Because, man, that was damn near commonplace for the span <laughs> of a few years, especially on the indies. It was the old, like, oh. catch the kick, hand it to the ref, and then do some, you know, like, take advantage of that and do a yeah. I think even New Japan got into like that craze there's there's guys that do that in there as well yeah Yeah, for sure no i'm curious i feel like i've seen uno even use this move like recently as as evil uno to this day so absolutely um yeah definitely a staple of his here at this point but like you said at one point everybody was doing it uh cannon with forearm strikes and punches but uno doesn't back down he hits a kick cannon hits one in response the big guys move to the floor as player dose and callahan come in and where this is when they explain that in you know, in new in Dragon Gate USA, if you roll out of the ring, your partner's allowed to just come right into the ring, which yeah. then kind of takes away from you know when a guy can barely get that 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 tag. It's like why didn't you just roll out of any side of the ring it's, beforehand? Yeah, it's a nice like kind of medium though with lucha libre styles. Yeah, like style rules. Definitely, I, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, so Callahan, uh, the, you know, clotheslines. Uh, you know, we get sorry. Callahan catches a leapfrog, hits a slam on player Dose. We get a two count, and we're told that in Dragon Gate, you you don't need a tag. That's what that happened there. Gulak had his mic pulled away from his mouth or something, or the audio guy got bad. I don't know what happened. At this point, he drops out, basically, and we just hear Lenny talking and then sometimes pausing and then reacting to whatever was said. Yeah, Gulak can hardly be heard. Um, Callahan catches Dose, Dose in a Death Valley driver for a two count. Cannon then attacks Evil Uno from behind and hits a DDT for a two count. And then we do the old, ah, we messed that up the first time, but let's get back up and do the double team backstabber for a two count. <laughs> like, oh yeah, this was one of those when like Uno, like, oh, I am not strong enough. And then we just <laughs> back up and do it again. So, uh, but you know, so it looked a, good. 
Yeah, because I I listen here the Alabama slam into a backcracker, but yeah, that's it, exactly what you said. It's the assisted there, right? Backstabber, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uno, Uno's taking off the apron. Uh, player Dose delivers a Pele kick, and then Eric Cannon hits a punch, and then a spinning neckbreaker, but again only gets a two count. Sammy would take Dose out with a clothesline, and then Cannon hits the glimmering warlock or shining wizard. Uh, Double team power bomb on player Dose as Sammy would hold on and lock the stretch muffler submission hold on. Yeah. And so Eric Cannon, was, as he's got the stretch muffler on, goes and grabs player Dose, but Uno only gets a two count after countering on the, the pinfall there. Uh, mm-hmm. Uno looks for what the announcers call the fatality, but he's got Sammy on his back and he's trying to get it to where he can hold. He's got his arm hooked and then hold on to the leg. Yeah. The yeah, gory the gory special. special. Yeah, is what he's yeah. got him in that that like that bend or whatever. But he mm-hmm. can't get it, and he he then just got lets go, and Sammy falls awkwardly off of him, and then they yeah. kind of improvise where he just like holds Sammy down while we get a giant frog splash from Player Dose. They pin him for the win. Your winners are the Super Smash Brothers. Now, it seemed like it was just you know Uno's not strong enough, or Sammy can't bend that way. Uh, according to Larry Sanka, who we're going to talk about his star ratings at the end. Uno gets injured here, and apparently it's oh. a shoulder injury, and th- I think that's why he just like lets go and is like, well, I'm not going to try it again. We're just going to pull him over and do the frog splash. That makes sense. Yeah, because you could, I mean, throughout this match, I thought it looked like Uno was having problems okay. like lifting and you mm-hmm. know holding and things like that. So yeah, that would make sense. Uh, and Dose looked pissed. So He's be, furious like, with the end of this match. <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably with how it went, but I don't know if he knows that if Uno's heard that also would probably piss him off. Because, yeah, because then, like, he goes over to check on Uno, who's selling his shoulder as he's down. And I was mm-hmm. like, is he just selling it because they failed the move or is he selling it? But, yeah, when I saw that in the Sanka report, I was like, well, maybe maybe he just actually got injured there. Yeah. yeah so neither one of them looked happy about it. And and uh, he has to be carried away from the ring. But, hey, they won. Yeah, they, they won. And it's at this point that we can't hear Drew Gulak. But, you know, who we can no. hear is the timekeeper at ringside who's catching up whoever's keeping oh. notes. Because that match lasted eight minutes and forty-two seconds. The first match five ten, and the second match was eight twenty-eight. Apparently, I just yeah okay. As long as it was like a timekeeper, because I was sitting there thinking like, Jesus, is that some fan I can hear like that's too close to a camera? I was like, shut up. So, oh. Yeah, but yeah, but that takes us to the next match. Yeah, match number four. It's Chuck Taylor of the Gentlemen's Club along with Swamp Monster taking on Brian Kendrick. Yeah. The Kentucky gentleman here is this. I guess maybe is that where he got the Kentucky gentleman nickname? Is from joining the gentleman's club? No, I mean he would have. He was the Kentucky gentleman. I can remember, like when Chuck Taylor first came in to IWA Mid South, like just as I was like about to like go away to college or whatever, mm-hmm. and he was the world champion there. Like and yeah, that was the Kentucky gentleman thing has always been, I think, a part okay. of his gimmick. Nice. But I was I was psyched to see him here because he's he's a guy that I've always enjoyed. Anytime I see him on the indies, I'm really happy where mm-hmm. he's at in AEW and doing you know continuing to be on on a part of that show. He's one of my favorite Twitter follows, um, yep. especially because he was pretty. I'm sure he was real upset with Jade Cargill getting to drop a shit, and he still hasn't gotten to do that on there. Uh, someday, someday, <laughs> uh, yeah. But the yeah, crowd pretty much like like everyone here. This is an interesting time for Brian Kendrick, though. Like. Mm-hmm. He's not yet the Brian Kendrick in the WWE, I don't think, but he's kind of got that style at this point because they're not calling him the at all. He's already come and went. Like, that's all happened already. Is it? Because I thought at this point was like just after the tag team with, what's his name, London, 
And then this would be just before that return is what I was thinking. No, because I, th- I think this would be he's already been in and out of WWE and he's already gone to TNA. So he's a, a short. So he's already come back as the and then is now going to drop out before coming back in the Cruiserweight Classic again. Yeah. OK. A few years after this. Yeah. Because that's why I think the storyline, again, they don't do a great job of things like this. But from what I gathered, it sounds like this is Matt's kind of happening because you know, Brian Kendrick has something to prove and that he's mm-hmm. on the way back and that he, he had it all and he pissed it away kind of a thing and that he, okay. you know, he wants Chuck Taylor and these guys to take it seriously because, you know, he, you know, he didn't. And now look where he's at kind of yeah. a, is kind of the angle. So, okay. That makes sense. I like that. So that's why they're kind of, they kind of, and then that's why they mock him. You know, Chuck Taylor mocks him for being a never was and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Brian Kendrick gets a big reaction from the crowd. We get a quick close-up of Chuck sitting in the corner. He's not very impressed. Um, Swamp Monster and Chucky e. T get chance from the crowd. Chuck Taylor barely gets out of the cover uh, of the corner, I should say, and he puts the referee between him and Kendrick after kicking out of a, a quick roll-up there. Uh, the announcers talk up how Chuck enjoying himself may be a character flaw, and I think that's where you were talking about there and like trying to explain like you know Brian Kendrick wants him to take it serious, sort of a thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, Kendrick with chops and shots to the back of Chuck Taylor. Uh, Chuck comes back with shots of his own. Kendrick with another roll-up gets a two-count. Kendrick then with a cross-arm breaker until Chuck Taylor manages a rope break. Uh, Drew Gulak thinks that Brian has something to prove, not Chuck. So, again, that's showing, you know, again, that he's come and went and that Chuck's, you know, kind of on the rise. Yeah, Gulak says no one wants to see Brian Kendrick, but everyone wants to know where the Kentucky gentleman's going to be. Right, so, you know, good stuff there. Uh, Kendrick with chops and a float over in the corner, followed by a hoot and karana, and then an arm drag as he would hold on for the submission hold until Chuck gets a rope break. Yeah, Chuck then slaps Brian Kendrick in the face, and Brian invites well, we another do the, slap. We do the Brian asks him to slap him in the face thing, The too. first one he did, I didn't even pick up on the oh, first one. As I was saying, oh, he invites okay. a second one, but... Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Chuck is, you know, slapping. Brian wants more. Chuck does it. But after the third one, Kendrick fires back with a slap of his own. This knocks Chuck on his ass. Uh, well, because even even in that sequence there, Chuck never slapped him the way that, like, you know, Kendrick was looking for him yes. to slap him. Like, yeah. Chuck had, like, a half smirk on his face and, like, <laughs> wasn't giving it to And, man, Kendrick wiped the taste out of his mouth, man. He slapped mm-hmm. the shit out of Chuck Taylor. Oh, yeah. No, it's good stuff. Uh, Chuck, though, right back, though, with the top wrist lock, and Kendrick gets whipped near where the Swamp Monster's at, and Baseball Slide kicks him as the crowd boos this because you don't hurt the Swamp Monster. No, you get, you know, Chuck Taylor has... It's funny. It, it's it's almost like a Simon Diamond and ECW situation with Chuck Taylor and his group. It's like this <laughs> band of misfits, yeah. you know? But Now, this Chuck Taylor's group's probably more over because, you know, everybody loves Orange Cassidy and stuff, but... That's just what I was getting vibes of was like Simon Diamond and ECW with like his musketeer and all the other like weird <laughs> you know managers. He For had. sure. Oh, yeah. Because then this is when we get the, the, you know, Drew Gulak or not Drew Gulak, but Lenny, you know, prodding Drew Gulak by calling the uh, the other man that's in the, their veteran out there, the crippled girl outside that Chuck goes and checks on. Um, exactly. Because that crippled girl got out of the uh, wheelchair to trip up Kendrick, and the announcer says, oh, look, freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy's here, too, because he had come over as well. Yeah, he was just, I don't know if he, how long he'd been there. They were just like, oh, hey, he's there, <laughs> uh, being very Orange Cassidy about things. 
Uh, Taylor with a slam and then another on Kendrick. Chuck Taylor with an elbow drop gets a two count. Uh, we then get a head scissor submission from Chuck and uh, Kendrick manages a rope break there. Taylor comes back with big chops in the corner. Kendrick returns the favor with chops of his own until Taylor takes advantage after raking the eyes of the veteran Brian Kendrick. Yeah. And uh, then that's when he's kind of on his back, slapping him around, saying that, you know, um, he he's a, uh, you know, never were. It's not even a never was. He says never were, which just kind of made me laugh. <laughs> The the announcers when in the middle of the uh, them kind of going back and forth and right when he goes for the eyes they begin discussing uh, hitting people with glasses and it, because it's one of the few times we can actually hear them discuss something I thought well, let's play this. <laughs> Kendrick fires back it over great equalizer. Finger is right in the eyes. No one's ever do that to you with those glasses on. It better not. I'd never hit a person with glasses on. That's just a bad taste. There you go. Control the head, Chuck Taylor. I, just, I like Drew Gulak. That's just some bad taste. Why would you do that? Yeah, not wrong. Not wrong. Oh, so uh, we, yeah, we get ahead. the drop kick from Taylor. After the two count, he begins biting the fingers of Kendrick. And like you said, they begin jawing at each other. They're kind of yelling at each other. Never were. Uh, we get the soul food by Chuck Taylor, which is one of my favorite Chuck Taylor moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he misses a charge and tumbles to the floor, and this allows Kendrick to dive on both Taylor and Orange Cassidy. Swamp Monster gets thrown into the the uh, the man's the the veteran's lap, and then Kendrick shoves the whole wheelchair into Kendrick or into uh, Chuck on the barricade. Yeah, this uh, this whole display has upset Drew Gulak, who's disgusted by Kendrick's actions. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, after, you know, with the you know, here with the wheelchair or whatever. Um, yeah, he's pushed down. Uh, yeah, Brian Kendrick then goes up top. Swamp Monster stops him. Taylor then goes up, but was pushed down. Kendrick hits a great leaping DDT, gets a near fall. Kendrick, though, avoids Taylor out of the corner and delivers a reverse burning hammer of sorts for another two count. Uh, Taylor is back up. He backdrops Kendrick to the apron and then delivers a neck breaker and gets a two count. Yeah. Uh, kick to the face from Taylor. As he's just kind of punishing Kendrick, we get a half boss and crab, which is apparently a big deal from Chuck Taylor. Um, <laughs> this is when I noticed how fucking loose the canvas on this ring was. Oh, yeah. Because Kendrick is like Dickens. clawing his way to the ring and he's like yeah. able to grab giant ripples in this canvas <laughs> as he's pulling his way. It's like, you guys couldn't have tied that down at all? Yeah. Now he literally gets a rope break by pulling on the like the loose canvas. You're right. Um, slice bread number two from Kendrick only gets a two count uh, because the gentleman in the wheelchair, Angus, it's a miracle. Angus, okay, yeah, is on the apron. He can walk, folks. <laughs> uh, Kendrick knocks him off the apron. Uh, Taylor with a roll up only gets a two. Taylor though hits a choke slam, followed by a boot to the face, then hits slice bread. His slice bread attempt is blocked, and Kendrick hits one himself for the one, two, three, and the victory. Your winner, Brian Kendrick. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought this was a this was a good match. I really enjoyed this, especially with the character work of the, uh, the you know, like you said, the gang of misfits that is the Gentlemen's yeah. Club. Yeah, no, there's a there's a lot of good stuff going on here. I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed it quite a bit. These two, I thought, worked well together, and uh, yeah, happy happy to see uh, Kendrick get the win there. Absolutely. So yeah, that the win goes to Brian Kendrick, and we're very quickly heading to match number five. 
which is the ladders are legal high flyers fray. Seven men will enter at varying times. They can be eliminated any eliminated anytime via pins or submissions. And once all of them have entered, the ladders are then legal. It's a little yeah. complicated, but because you yeah, also you you just have to get a pinfall to win. So the ladders don't like allow you to climb towards anything. They're just <laughs> right. legal. So. <laughs> Yeah, it'd probably be in your best interest to not get the ladders involved at all, actually. But, you know, that's up to you. But our opening two entrants are A.R. Fox, who we've talked about getting to see at Evolve shows and such. And then also Samurai Del Sol, which is a name that was familiar to me, but I didn't make the connection. It's Kalisto. Yeah. As he comes out already with the Lucha chant in 2013. He's got to be maybe already in NXT at this point, I think. <laughs> Is this like, like late positive. evolve Samurai Del Sol? Because he's also on like every card this weekend at WrestleCon. By the way, I feel like he may at least be on his way to NXT at this point. I'm not yeah. sure though. I wonder. I feel like you know him and kind of Uha Nation kind of came in at the same time, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ar Fox is a guy who's been evolved mainstay for a lot of years, and it, mm-hmm. it is a guy that is really talented. And here we're told how these two have kind of been having this rivalry. For the last while here, and they're going to basically only fight each other throughout this entire match. And I love the fact that that is kind of the running thread for these two throughout this match as well. No, that's a great idea. You know what I mean? Like it allows you to kind of continue your feud within this match that, you know, it happened a lot when WrestleMania had the money in the bank matches. Yes. You know, where people would get their angles kind of mixed into the, you know, money in the bank match because they weren't going to have time for a singles match or something. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So yeah, yeah, we'll have more people coming in later on, but so far it's Samurai Del Sol and uh and uh, Mr. Mr. AR Fox. Um AR Fox and Del Sol get the start here. Del Sol with some great dodges and like he uses the head scissors on AR Fox, but Fox is right back on his feet with two kind of flip and fly around as they end up facing each other down after a little while and we get an applause break. Um they waste a little bit of time playing with the crowd here early on and I was just like, "Oh, okay." We're not necessarily going to just go all out here for the first two minutes, but yeah, they kind of just try to get the fans chanting for things. Uh, well, yeah, they do the we they do the you know wrestling, and then there's the lucha. So it's yeah. like back and forth between wrestling and lucha, and they both getting the crowd to kind of go in their favor. Yes, but Ar Fox grabs a headlock as the next entry comes out, and it's this point I was like, oh, you're just not going to play music for these entries. Okay, <laughs> so entry number right. three is Matt Jackson. Yeah. Mr. Young Buck himself, Matt Jackson, who these guys at this point in 2013 were red hot. Oh, you know, yeah. This was kind of a, the beginning of the, the you know, the, the good times there. Um, Jackson misses his first move as he leaps off the top rope and then he just leaves the ring. So he, <laughs> it's funny. He just like kind of came in, went right out. Yeah. And I uh, thought AR- it's, it's a great way to allow this AR Fox and Del Sol thing to be like the focus for this match for a while. Right, absolutely. Yeah, because Fox delivers a big boot in the corner on uh, Del Sol. Uh, Del Sol, though, comes back, right back, and put AR Fox on the top rope. Uh, Matt Jackson, though, cuts them off and suplexes Del Sol uh, before pushing Fox to the floor. Jackson teases a dive and then just slid under the bottom rope and did a back rake. So, mm-hmm. you know, heel times here. Jackson tosses AR Fox and Del Sol into the guardrail. And uh, Low Bridges, I'm sorry, Christina Von Erie is your next entry. I forgot to stop for that. So. <laughs> yeah, because he, you know, he's doing these moves to the guys on the outside on the barricade, and then Matt's like, who's next? And I'm like, 
Yeah, are you calling for them like, hey, we're supposed to already have the intro come out. We're not doing this legit time, guys. Come on. Right. But yeah, entry no, four, Christina yeah. Von Erie. I was, I was, she's got a, a unique look. Uh, I don't know what, you know, what's going on as far as like her aspirations or anything like that, but she's got a unique look and apparently has done a lot of kind of intergender wrestling. Yeah, she's one of those interesting cases. I don't know what the story is. There might be, maybe there's something more to it because she's one that anytime like there's like a new fed or so like she tends, she tends to pop up because she okay. was the global force women's champion. Mm. When Jarrett launched yeah. that, that's where I remember seeing her, you know, a few years ago, or maybe it was around this time, actually. I can't remember when that all was happening exactly. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. I mean, she's seems talented. Like you said, she has, you know, has an interesting look. I don't know. Maybe, you know what, maybe she just fell out of wrestling or I'm not, I'm not sure what the case is. Uh, she doesn't tweet very often. I know that when I looked up her Twitter account, I was just like, oh, okay, she doesn't post very much here. Uh, but yeah. Gulak is just amazed that they're letting a woman in this match. expert you know about title nine and women in sports equal opportunities true i'm all about equal opportunities this is ridiculous you can't have all these high-flying athletes in here and a woman like christina von Erie. i'm so surprised that that is the first time i've heard anyone reference title nine in an excuse to have these like how has that not just been like yeah we're just gonna do it and it's because title nine so that's it case closed I mean, that's interesting. You know, of course, that's <laughs> they, why they broke away from the whole sports side of things. I'm sure yeah. Title Title Nine may have had as much to do with it as anything. <laughs> so Erie comes in. She dives on all three of the men outside, and then a diving clothesline on Matt Jackson. We get forearms by Erie to Matt Jackson, and it's clear that like these two are kind of going to work together here. Um, they're yeah. kind of going back and forth here. As soon as Jackson fires back, immediately starts getting booed from the crowd. <laughs> he throws her face into the apron and then he dives on top of her over the top rope. And then it's revealed that entry number five is, Oh, here comes my brother, Nick. Yeah. Not good for her. Does she get eliminated before all that? Um, no. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. She does get eliminated just before that. I, I must've somehow eliminated that part of my notes here. No, no, no. Yeah, here no, we go. No, no, no. they come out. Not they do yet. double team moves on AR Fox and Samurai Del Sol to get them out of the ring because they were again still fighting each other. That's right. And then after that, they offer a handshake to Christina Von Erie. Yeah. But as Matt shakes her hand, Nick super kicks her in the face. Then Matt super right. kicks her. Then Matt holds her head while Nick super kicks her, and they pin her and eliminate Von Erie. <laughs> and something that they don't do anymore, and I don't remember much of this, but I like it, is Nick playing her leg like an air guitar, like yes. as they were pinning her. That was yeah. That cracked up. And like so, here's the thing. This is innocent, and this is all fine and well. But this is the kind of intergender wrestling that I don't think does anybody any good. Because was, yeah, why is she already out of this? She came out, and it wasn't like oh yeah, she's here. She comes like whatever. No, she came. It's like oh, it's a woman. And then it was like, you know, they made short work of her, and almost kind of seemed like I it mean, was a I little will- bit insulting. I understand the, the, the like desire to use it as a way to put some heat on the Bucks because they're so popular right. and they're supposed to be bad guys. And so right. like I get why like once you have her in the match, having them be the guys that are shitty about it and like give you know, go after her double teaming. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wish she would have had some sort of like pushback at least for this first set of moves. It just kinda of seemed like, Oh, here comes a girl, she's not gonna win and then Oh no, yeah, she she didn't. They they took care of her handily. So I don't know, it was just yeah. 
and it's and it's it's one of those things where because of the crowd is the way that the crowd is you know we get a participation boo of her being pinned and then they all start chanting for the young bucks like of course <laughs> right. well listen i've been very vocal about my feelings about <laughs> that era of the bucks and how impossible it yeah. was for them to be heels yet they refuse to be baby faces oh but now it's time for entry number six it's Uha nation now known as Apollo Crews. Probably wishes he was still Uha. Um yeah, so <laughs> he's, he comes in He's and, a guy that is coming in as a new uh, a Dragon Gate Japan character. Like he is a big part of the storylines going uh, on over there. He's a big part of this like I think either either World One or Mad Blankly. It's either Akira Tozawa's group or the the Okay. The Ricochet group. One of the two. Mm-hmm. But he's he's a big part of this. Like when I was looking through the Wikipedia's of all the other guys, like he kept coming yeah. up, and and even the announcers talk about him being like a very strong character from over there. Yeah, and he looks great here. I mean, it's no wonder this dude got signed. He, this he looks like he does now on TV, pretty much for mm-hmm. the most part. I mean, he's oh yeah, great great shape. And he's and, coming off of twelve months of rehab. We're told he had knee mm-hmm. reconstruction surgery, so this is his right. return. And man, he and the day he and the Bucks just start going crazy like i don't even have notes on it they just <laughs> it's so good like i really enjoyed this this back and forth mm-hmm. here yeah uha great belly to back on samurai del sol he launches ar fox to the floor wants a dive on all of them but ar fox stops it ar hits an inverted 450 from the ropes to the floor which was just fucking wild stuff yeah the, the bucks retake control nick hits a moonsault onto the crowded onto the crowd of people not the the crowd crowd but the <laughs> right. other entrance and then yeah, finally, yeah. here comes our seventh entry. Are you ready to be disappointed? It's Facade. Ah. No, he's a guy that I always enjoy in the ring. But as right. soon as the, the name was announced, I was like, oh, yeah, he's probably on this card. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, yeah, there had been some. Yeah, I don't know if I would have made him last necessarily. But no, he's, <laughs> he, he's cool. Were you with you were at the Ring of Honor show? Yeah. That he was, you know, he kind of just randomly popped up. He's not necessarily, you know, around there all the time. But yeah, you know, longtime indie guy. I. You know, he's talented, he's talented. yeah. He's a he's a good wrestler. Um, yeah. Now ladders are legal. Like I don't think they actually announced it like that, but they should have. Um, mm-hmm. And facades like all right, and gets the biggest ladder he can and brings it to the ring. Uh, the Bucks take advantage of this. Nick made a uh, Matt Hardy reference because this would have been was this that weekend when they fought the hmm. Hardy Boys, and then the Hardy Boys were at WrestleMania. Did the Hardy Boys come back in 2013? Was it that early? No, 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 no. No, you're right. You're right. No, we're still... Yeah, I think we're a little ways least, away Because 30 is the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania. Yes. So it would so be maybe 31 was, was, then, maybe? Was it Was it 31 that that was? Yeah, so I guess maybe we're still... So that just shows you how long, though. You know, it's like the FTR stuff with the Bucks. Like, yeah. this stuff with the Hardys and the Bucks went on for a while, too. Yeah, I had I had not even really noticed the fact that he had made this reference here at this he point. He did the he did the V one thing. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. So yeah, the the Bucks hit a nice uh or there's a nice flipping dodge from facade and he hits a springboard double leg drop onto the ladder that the Bucks are holding and it knocks them both down. I really like that spot. Um mm-hmm. the match speeds up very quickly. Those three yes. like roll out and AR Fox and Del Sol are just going back and forth. There's a yeah. fucking amazing springboard poison rana by Del Sol. Fox somehow kicks out at two. Nick comes in with an enzigiri in the corner, but eats one from AR Fox. Fox hits the low main pain, which is like, how do you describe this? Like a, a split legged s- Spanish fly? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like he bounces That's... off the ropes and somehow hits a Spanish fly. It's amazing. And that eliminates Del Sol. Yes. So he's out of the matchup. So 
you know, another, I guess a measure of revenge there as, as their angle continues. Um, yeah, amazing stuff there from AR Fox and Del Sol for that matter. Uh, facade with a spinning heel kick to AR Fox. Uha Nation and AR had their uh, double team countered by Facade into a DDT. Uh, Facade then set a ladder in the corner, but Nick Jackson counters and tossed Facade into it. AR delivers a springboard cutter on Nick Jackson. Fox then climbs a ladder, and when Facade tries to jump on it, the whole side collapses in. <laughs> Dude, like, if if you're not a, a user that regularly checks out like the stuff that we have at the end of the show notes, check out the video that I'm going to put on the end of this from from this because it is amazing. This is a regular Home Depot ladder. One side's yeah. big, the other side's small, and Facade yeah. jumps on the small side, and it's like what. What'd you think was going to happen, man? <laughs> <laughs> he oh. bends every, like the whole side of it, though. I was just amazed. Yeah. Like, it like collapses it into itself. And then mm-hmm. like the side thing that he's got his foot on breaks and he just tumbles down. I will say I'm really impressed at the quickness that these guys managed to then come up with the, whatever they were, you know, whatever was planned can't be done. So they just switch it up and like, facade moves around to the other side the referee who had been kind of holding the ladder now really holds the ladder because it's mm-hmm. still standing and uh ar fox or yeah ar fox just turns around and very carefully hits a meteora off the ladder onto facade and pins him one two three and eliminates him yeah the double knees type of you know sasha banks and among others moves. sasha banks and shima apparently the the big big yeah. users of this one right um, off the ladder, yeah, from Fox, though, and that would be the end for Facade. Um, it's now down to the Bucks against Air Fox and Uha Nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crowd is rather crazy, and these guys, again, just start doing stuff. <laughs> it's so much fun, dude. There's something oh, yeah, about great. the, the style of wrestling that just, it's like when they really start moving at that pace and there's, mm-hmm. like, no mistakes, it's so fucking Oh, weird. yeah. Oh, it's yeah, no, it's great. It's absolutely beautiful. Like to see it in motion like oh. that, you know, when, when when they can pull it off like this. So, yeah, no, it's awesome stuff there from all four men. Um, eventually, we get a drop kick from Ar Fox, followed by a running kick from Uha. Uh, Nick Jackson with a spinning enziguri on Fox, and then he goes to get a ladder. Matt Jackson takes Uha out with a ladder to the face on the outside of the ring. That looked brutal. Like just yeah, ate that ladder, man. <laughs> Yeah, and then he gets in the ring and rams it into the nuts of AR Fox. And uh, we get a scoop slam. Nick calls for a clap from the crowd, which is always strange at the, in the heat of the moment. But he, he, he always does that, too. Yeah. He climbs the ladder. Fox gets up, threatens to shove the ladder down. So Nick just goes, all right, well, fuck it. Jumps off that onto the rope, springboards onto the other two. It was amazing. Yeah. And no, then... Well, yeah, Nick, yeah. Right yeah, back yeah. into the ring with a springboard X-Factor for AR Fox. Yeah, Nick Jackson is ridiculous. And yeah, what a wild sequence of events there. I mean, just great stuff from him. Yeah. Um, the Bucks would set a ladder up between the ring and the guardrail. Um, and then they attempted a superplex on AR Fox, but he's able to fight the Bucks off. Matt Jackson was then laid across the ladder, and Fox hit a step-up <laughs> moonsault that... Wayne connected, but it was brutal because he didn't get a lot of air. Yeah. And he just came right down, like, you know, chest to chest <laughs> with Matt Jackson. Yeah, yeah. He, like, he stepped up on, like, the ring post from the apron. Like, it's not, like, it's it's pretty interesting, though. And mm-hmm. I just have here, because right before that move, I had, oh, Gulak's back. And then I was like, oh, he's gone again. Like, right after that move, he's gone right away. I don't know how their audio could be, could have that kind of problem. And, like, you could watch independent wrestling in 2020. 
mm-hmm. companies still have audio. It's like, how have we not mastered <laughs> audio, guys? It's because you need to stop asking your buddy's little brother yeah. to take care of your audio and pay somebody yep. 50 freaking bucks at least to yeah. give you something. Because so, okay. a lot of times it feels like maybe like the, the color or the, the play-by-play guy is like just doing it on their own, and so they can't like mm-hmm. monitor while the thing is going. Right. Maybe that's the case. Because it seems like just if someone was monitoring, how do you not fix it? How do you not walk right. up to Drew Gulak and go, here, here's a mic that works, or let's <laughs> yeah, exactly. retry these plugs. Like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. Uh, but there's a ladder in the ring, and as AR climbs, Ricochet runs in. And I'm like, wait, where's yeah. Ricochet coming from? He shoves Fox down who lands on the ladder, and then Ricochet hits a 630, missing mm. Fox completely and just cracking his back on this thing. Pretty much. Oh. And then AR gets pinned by Matt Jackson, so it's the Young Bucks versus UHA Nation. And the announcers start wondering, like, so if they eliminate UHA, are they going to fight each other or are they just going to walk away? And I was curious about that as well, but it's not going to matter. <laughs> we'll never know. Uh, Nick lays the ladder in the middle of the ring, the Bucks had a double-team suplex on the ladder, get a near fall. Mm. Matt Jackson. Fucking yes. Apollo Crews. What a fucking soldier, dude. He took that directly on his lower back, just right into the fucking edge of that ladder. Like, Oh, yeah. That was one of the most brutal ones I've ever seen. <laughs> no, yeah, there was no, yeah, no short in that, that's for sure. That had to, that had to hurt. Um, yeah. Uha then whips Nick into the ladder and then hits an overhead suplex that sends Matt Jackson into the ladder. Uh, Matt comes back, delivers a super kick, and then an assisted sliced bread from the Bucks on Uha Nation only gets another near fall. Uh, Nick with a super kick, then Matt with a super kick. Uha though fires up and hits a clothesline, dropping both young Bucks. Nick would save Matt, and then they hit the buckle bomb enziguri combo. Uha though rolls Matt Jackson up to eliminate him. And then would hit the press slam moonsault combo on Nick Jackson for the one, two, three. And your winner, Uha Nation. Dude, this, this fucking Uha combination, he hits the mm-hmm. press slam, moonsault, and yeah. then follows up with a standing shooting star press. Right. Yeah. Before, <laughs> before he hits, I was like, Jesus Christ, this man, like, no wonder Vince McMahon saw, like, you know, clips of this or, or Triple H watched this show mm-hmm. and was just like, we got to sign this kid. Like, he looks like True. Bobby Lashley and he moves like fucking Rey Mysterio. Like, yeah, he's just got so oh. much talent. It's just so frustrating that like this is where he was, and he's basically at the same position today. True. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. Uh, but yeah, Uha picks up the victory here. Lenny Leonard thanks Drew Gulak for being with him for the first half of the show, <laughs> and then we have an intermission, which I thought would for sure be cut out of this, but no, we just no. sit for ten minutes and they show us yeah. like highlights of guys doing dives and i was like you know what this is a really cool video but this is exactly why all the old timers were so pissed off during this time period of just it's just fucking dives because it's literally here's our guy here's a dive he does here's our guy here's a dive he does (laughs) you're not wrong that's exactly what yeah it's a uh remind me of a new japan kind of uh intermission here where it's Mm -hmm. kind of just videos promoting their wrestlers the announcers put their headsets down and walk away yeah (laughs) upcoming events and all things of that kind so yeah yeah. and that takes us straight to match number six it's orange cassidy along with the entirety of the gentleman's club Mm -hmm. taking on john davis yeah yes who who 
John Davis is someone that, you know, I recognize to name, you know, like pretty long time uh, independent kind of guy. We watched um, he him. was part of the We reviewed a show with him on ROH, didn't we? Yeah, maybe. Where he, I'm not like, I, w- I was pretty sure that it was John Davis and some other very like bland, normal sounding name that I was well, just John, like, they had a great match. John, John Davis and Corey Chavis used to be the Dark City Fight Club. Okay. And they did have a run in Ring of Honor uh, for a little while. I'm not sure if that was them or not, though. Um, he also was known as Rain Man for NWA Wildside and, and, and CZW as well. Oh. He worked as Rain Man. So. Somebody that. that has been around the independent circuit for quite a while, um, you know, hell of a hell of a worker. This <laughs> crowd is not here for John Davis tonight. No, they're not happy with John Davis. <laughs> now, like, the night before, point. he had the same finish happen. He ah, hit a referee. Okay. So this is like a running thing. Um, gotcha. And okay. so that's what like when Larry Sanka is the one that kind of clued me in on that when I was reading his, his thoughts on this match. And I didn't right. know that going in either. Cause I was like, man, this crowd, like you said, this crowd is just not happy about John Davis. They seem to like orange Cassidy, even though the gentlemen's club seem like they're a heel faction. Yeah. <laughs> it's they're weird. Fun heels. Yeah. Fun they're heels. the fun heels. Yeah. Um, orange refuses to get out of his corner as he's, if you've seen his work in AEW, you know, but, He's very lackadaisical here, more so than even nowadays. He's, oh, yeah. Can't be bothered to even stand up at the beginning of this match. Oh, his 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 neck is just like laying way, yeah. way back. He can't even like be bothered to use his <laughs> yeah. neck muscles to hold his uh, head up. Yeah. Crowd, again, this was the beginning of old men hating independent wrestling. Crowd begins chanting, this is awesome. Um, Before <laughs> either man has left the corner. They're yep. both leaning in the corners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chuck Taylor loves it and is like encouraging it by slapping the mat. Oh, yeah. uh, John Davis goes to get orange, but he just refuses. <laughs> he just won't, you know, kind of leave. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, the men meet in the middle, and Orange would sit down to avoid a clothesline. Yes, just falling to his ass, and then would get up and would do it a second time, uh, and then. John Davis bounces off the ropes, attempts a knee strike, and Orange just lays flat on his back to avoid the knee strike, and then rolls around the ring, avoiding the stomp attempts like a cartoon giant, you know, like trying to stomp <laughs> on it, you know, something. Yeah. Um, no, I love this. Attempts, yeah, and it's yeah, great stuff. Sorry, I yeah, I, I really no, enjoyed him dodging and and this whole thing. He tries for the sunset flip roll up. But then uh, it's countered. He then counters that into a Hurricane Rana. Cassidy with some kicks in the corner. He hits a DDT out of the corner and then falls into a pin attempt. And he gets a two count. And then Cassidy climbs to the top. He dives for a Hurricane Rana, but it gets blocked by Mr. uh, What's his name again? God damn it. John Davis. Davis. It's such a bland name that I can't like I've had this problem <laughs> since I watched the show, since I took my notes, I've had to look up each right. time his name. John Davis, yes. Um John Davis, yeah, blocks the Hurricane Rana, counters into a sunset flip, and he alohas himself into balance, grabs the head of Cassidy, lifts him up and into a suplex over his head. I was really impressed with this spot. I liked it. Yeah, no, great stuff. I liked that a lot. Um, yeah, he would then deliver a lariat to Orange Cassidy and then just turned around and clotheslined the ref as well. <laughs> yep. It's like, it's like, wait, what? And the yeah. bell rings. 
And I love Chuck Taylor and his very sarcastic, you don't hit the ref. Like, just yelled <laughs> it after the bell rang. You're not allowed to do that. Oh. Uh, Gulak would get in the ring and confront John Davis, who would buckle bomb the legal eagle for his trouble. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Taylor's taken out by a lariat. The Swamp Monster just checks on the well-being of Chuck Taylor. <laughs> and John Davis attacks the Swamp Monster, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Hit him with the, what they're called in the three seconds around the world. It's like a Blue Thunder Bomb-ish kind of style move. Falcon Arrow-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah good stuff there. Uh, so, yeah, I guess Orange wins by disqualification. Yeah. I, the I enjoyed... Ch- the crowd's chanting, get the fuck out. <laughs> Is that a Davis that they're chanting that? I guess. That's what I'm guessing. Because I, I, Cassidy, like, afterwards, like, even when the fans are, like, trying to give him applause, is, like, tell, like he's, like, seemingly trying to still be a heel, I guess, it feels like, where he's, like, he doesn't care. Like, why are you, why are you, why do you care so much? Why are you clapping for this? Like, he's just, he's, he's ready to go home. Well, that's the great thing about the Orange Cassidy character is, like, it was intended, you know, it had heel tendencies. Yeah, that makes sense. And then it was like a great play back on the fans themselves. That's like, I am doing nothing. <laughs> and you guys are cheering for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So funny sure. how it's turned around nowadays. Definitely. Yeah. So it's at this point that Lenny promises us that, you know, they're going to come back for next year's WrestleCon in New Orleans. And it's going to happen again. He puts over all the other companies that are part of this weekend's shows, including $5 Wrestling and Kaiju Big Battle. Um, the fans almost stand like it's time for the bride to come out of the wedding as we get ready for match number seven. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, wow, they're ready for this one. It's a six-man tag match featuring the World One something, uh, Ricochet and Rich Swan, part of a, a faction, uh, along with the Open Freedom Gate champion, Johnny Gargano. And they're going to be taking on the team of Eita, E-I-T-A, Tomahawk T.T., and Shima. And uh, yeah, this one is a great match and apparently is like a traditional thing where they have these six man tags that are like just downright great matches every year. Well, Shima would be, you know, that would be like the traditional Team Dragon Gate. Oh, OK. Those, you know, those three over there. Because um, Aita and yes. Tomahawk are fairly new to Dragon mm-hmm. Gate USA at this point. Um, I was mm-hmm. looking at the Wikipedia because I was just curious about like what happens about these guys. Do you care if I tell you a little bit about these no, two? I don't care. So Ada Kobayashi uh, is at his 22 years old at this point when he comes into this match. It looks like he didn't win a whole lot in Dragon Gate USA until later on when he would return in July. Uh, but between this show and then, he goes back to Mexico and wrestled at least one match where he teamed with Ray Phoenix and mm-hmm. a, a freelance as well as Mike Segura. Uh, but Ada goes on to be a five-time tag champion, the 2020 King of Gate winner, by the way. So he's still going mm. on. And he was recently ranked 175th in the 2019 PWI Top 500. Hmm. Well, all right. That's pretty impressive. Now, Tomahawk is a guy that, like, if you're interested in, like, weird storylines going on in New Japan and, and Dragon Gate and all these other companies, DDT and such, go look up Tomahawk TT. He's known as T-Hawk, generally. Um, he mm-hmm. spent much of 2012, though, wrestling as an imposter under a different wrestler's name, wearing fake <laughs> tattoos and such. Uh, he would end up winning the Open Twin Gate Championship with his partner at the time, who was part of the Mad Blanky stable, which is led by Akira Tozawa. So Naoki Tanasaki gets injured, 
leaves and he's part of this TT's group or whatever. He leaves. Uh, after a while, the other members of the group start saying he's coming back, even though he's not supposed to be coming back yet. And then mm-hmm. it's Tomahawk <clears throat> TT wearing fake tattoos and hair, I guess, and gimmicks and being this Naoki Tanazaki, where they put a Z instead of the S to signify that it is an imposter. And this went on for like years, like like a year and a half, apparently. Uh, just before losing the name Tanazaki, he told the crowd he wanted to be called Naoki Jimmy from now on but tanasaki had just returned and he won the right to challenge or he challenged him to win the right to rename him mm-hmm. so he won the match and he named him as qq because he said you're crying and whining reminds me of the sounds that dolphins make so his name became mr qq toyonaka dolphin <laughs> what? for a short period in dragon gate <clears throat> proper and so God. this is happening Basically, at the same time that this is happening, and he's coming over here, and in Dragon Gate USA, he's this other character, Tomahawk TT, and wrestling with Ata in this match. It's so weird. And he's, gonna, he's going to join a group with Ata and this UT guy that they're going to call the Millennials in the upcoming September of 2013. <laughs> All right, then. That's I just found that quite so quite a fascinating. pass for those two. <laughs> Yeah, because they're both, yeah, they're both very young here. They mentioned, I know they at least mentioned Tomahawk only being 22, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, T-Hawk would go on to be a five-time trios champ, six-time tag champ, 2017 King of Gate. He would also be uh, the 2012 and 2013 Summer Adventure Tag League winner with two different tag partners. I'm pretty sure he's been in the Battle of Los Angeles, too, I think. Oh, okay. Cool. T-Hawk. Maybe maybe not. I can't remember. But, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah, wild and wacky six-man action here. The Gargano... Ricochet Association is uneasy as their real only association. It seems to be Rich Swan, yeah. who is uh, very young at this point. And uh, like you had mentioned, is in the stable with Ricochet, but apparently has been taken under the wing of Johnny Gargano. So Yes. And the fans are really into Shima. And this is Shima. He's got his like Christopher Daniels sunglasses on yeah. and he does this like he like spins around and then throws his hands up and when he does that they all go woof. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> it was pretty fun. No, it's awesome. Well, you know, and for fans of today, <clears throat> you may remember that this group, I don't remember if Ita, but I know at least Tomahawk, T Hawk was still a part of it. This is your strong hearts. Oh, this a- in the, AEW. The three that came in for the the Chinese yeah. company now, I guess, yeah, that they represent. I remember Shima. I remember Shima being uh, there. Yeah, I didn't realize T-Hawk, T-Hawk was there. T-Hawk. I can't remember who the third person was. I'm not sure if it was Ida or not. I think it was somebody different. But yeah, so I, people that I'd imagine will be back whenever that's you know possible. So Definitely. And the fans are chanting for Shima. They're also chanting Johnny sucks, Johnny sucks, as the announcer at some point will start to lay in the fact that he defended his title against Shingo last night and used terribly dastardly heel tactics. And if you look it up on WWN's YouTube channel, it's, it's labeled as the most shocking ending of a Dragon Gate USA match, is whatever he wow. did. I didn't actually get a chance to actually watch it. I just I was looking for a, a screen capture to use for an image of gotcha. a better, higher quality video than what we have. But, <laughs> but yeah, apparently uh, it, was, it was shocking, and the fans are not happy with Johnny Gargano, even though he is coming out playing the over-the-top kind of baby face, I'm going to slap everybody's hands, I'm I'm the best sort of a thing. He's yeah, he's the whole shebang. 
Johnny Gargano at this time. Um, Ricochet seemed to be like talking with somebody like the entirety of his entrance. Yeah. I think it was something to do with like the streamer that got thrown. One streamer gets thrown and he starts like talking to the guy, like not necessarily being like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? But like, I couldn't tell what he was trying to say to get across. Yeah, Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, that's the thing. I was like, I didn't, I wasn't sure if if he was pissed, if he was being sarcastic. Like, I couldn't get a read on it. It just seemed awkward. And it's like, you're entering. Like, what, what, why are you talking to some random person? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it clearly it does. Like at first, because they come out to all night long, I thought that these were like yeah. the baby faces, but they definitely wrestle it's, like heels. And the fact that they're paired it, with Gargano make would make sense it, for them to be heels. It, it seems like Rich Swan is a baby face because yes. that all night long thing is his like <laughs> big interest. Like, and then he's like stuck in this like sandwich between these two guys that are <laughs> two of the bigger heels in the company. It seems like so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anyway, so we're yeah, told the winner know, just, of the match, whoever gets the pin, it doesn't matter what team you're on. If you get the pin, you then get the ability to declare a challenge for one of the Dragon Gate USA championships. Yeah. Yeah. Open the Dream Gate, uh, you know, Freedom Gate, whatever you're into. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Uh, Rich Swan and Seema start things off shaking hands. So all well here. Uh, risk control from Shima. Swan counters. Shima's able though, to take him over in a side headlock. She was spins around the top of Swan, you know, kind of semi-disrespectfully and full control here, and then applies a headlock. We get a shoulder tackle from Shima. The men then go back and forth until Shima is sent to the outside. Swan would fake out a dive, and that would bring Aita in, who would deliver brutal chops to Rich Swan. I felt like this was Rich Swan forgetting the rules of who can, you know, how the tags work, because it's like once the man's on the ground, the next guy's legal because he... He's like playing to the crowd like, ah, oh, I fucked, you know, I faked you guys out. I faked him out, that sort of thing. And just, bam, gets smacked in the chest. Yeah, oh. that's what you get. Ricochet would return the favor, drop kicking. And they point out uh, that Aita's, uh, his chops are extra strong because he won the King of Chop in 2012. He's ridiculous. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. The ch- some of the chops in this match are out of this world. Oh, yeah. Uh, we get a shoulder tackle from Ricochet. And then he poses for the fans. Very heelish there. Uh, and then we get a long back and forth between Aita and Ricochet. Yeah. Yep. We get a nice little roll up off of a leapfrog attempt uh, and then a basement sliding drop kick to the face of Ricochet when he was upside down as he was looking for the head scissors, which I thought was really impressive. Uh, oh, yeah. In tags Tomahawk and his first trip with Dragon Gate USA, we're told. And Johnny Gargano tags in as the fans chant Mr. TT. It's like, all right. Is that is that are they being nice? I'm not sure about that one. I couldn't tell. He played with it though. Insanely fast back and forth between these two. They dodge clotheslines. It ends with Tomahawk knocking Gargano down with a lariat. He also knocks down Gargano's partners. And the announcers say that he doesn't know what to make of Gargano's reprehensible actions of last night. Again, what actions? Like. <laughs> care to like elaborate oh. like that's one thing they do a bad job in this show mm-hmm. and it's probably the lack of a color commentator i don't know but like there's ang- like all these matches for the most part have ongoing angles and storylines in them oh yeah and they <laughs> I, they don't really talk about them at all like Ugh. just on the surface stuff like this where they're like oh something terrible happened you're like oh what <laughs> well i'm not gonna, i'm not gonna talk about it here we're told how, you know, Gargano doesn't trust Ricochet. Ricochet doesn't necessarily trust Gar- Gargano. Uh, right. Aita's in. Swan chops him. He no-sells it. 
Swan tags in Ricochet. We get a nice double team from World 1. Uh, and then Aita takes control. Hits a huge chop on Ricochet, like the one that you were explaining earlier mm-hmm. with the just crazy. Shimov dives in with a double stomp to the stomach of Ricochet as he was being held up like draped on the ropes there from uh, Aita. And we're told that Gargano wrestled Shingo the night before, and he had done something awful to try to win. Again, not necessarily telling us what it is, <laughs> just that it was bad. They they won't say it. Like I and, can't. I, I can't even imagine talking about being a babyface stuck on a heel team. The crowd isn't necessarily with Rich Swan at this point because he has to do this no. all on his own. No. Come on, Swan in the corner. Oh, and went to the eyes. I've never seen a crowd so averse to counting to ten. Everyone loves that part. Like no one counted with him. I, uh, this this crowd does not participate in ten count punches for some reason. Uh, yeah, Swan follows that up with a poke to the eye, followed by an elbow drop, and gets a two count. Double team pulling of the wishbone from Aita and uh, Tomahawk. Swan in the corner, though, catches an elbow from Shima's entire team. Yeah. Just run and nail him. Tomahawk with a stalling suplex on Swan gets a two count. Aita tags in and they knock Gargano and Ricochet off of the apron. Double team face buster followed by a double team basement drop kick from Shima's team. Shima himself is now in. Gets rich in the surfboard submission hold. And uh, Hawk and Ida come in with chops. Yes. Again, just mean fucking chops to this man's chest. Well, and th- this happens a couple times in this match where it's like, hey, Gargano and Ricky. Like, I know he got knocked off the apron. Yeah. But like, there's a few of these instances where Shima's team, like the Dragon Gate team, <laughs> just goes in there and beats the shit out of Swan. <laughs> yeah. And goes on for like a minute at oh. a time and no one ever comes in to help him. No, you're not wrong. Right here, though, right after this, the chops, Shima transitions into this upside-down yeah. stretching submission hold, which is fucking fantastic. And I don't know how no one is doing this in any American wrestling right, right now, because this is awesome looking. Yeah. No, maybe they don't want to steal it from Shima, because, yeah, it is that cool might be. as hell. Uh, yeah, the tag rules are completely broken down here with Shima's team just doing whatever they want. Like yeah. the, the announcer's like one one at a time, guys, one at a time, and just does nothing about it. Uh, yeah. Lots of big chops to Swan, a double team Doomsday Code Breaker, as yeah. the uh, Lenny calls it. Um, Swan somehow still kicks out afterwards, and more Mister TT chants from the crowd. Swan fires up with a leaping Hurricane Rana from the top. Swan fights off the incoming men with backhand spring double stunner for both of them and finally tags yeah. someone out. And I was like, why didn't you just roll out of the ring? But yeah, he tags in and uh, both Ricochet and Gargano come in because I have no idea who he tagged. No, I don't either. Yeah, they come <laughs> in to even the odds. Finally, uh, Gargano with a spear in the ring and then a dive to the floor. Ricochet then caught Shima with a super kick as he jumped off the top rope. Shima and Ricochet go back and forth until Ricochet delivers a cutter, followed by a standing shooting star press. Uh, Ricochet, though, is tossed off the top rope, and then Ida delivers a moonsault for a two-count that Johnny Gargano broke up. Yeah. So they're forced to help one another. Um, Ida then with a rolling drop kick, followed by a face buster, gets a two-count. Gargano with the roll-up into the kick to the face. Johnny then, from the apron, delivered a springboard DDT, but only manages a two count. 
Yeah. Somehow able to kick out there. In comes Swan. Hits the, uh, I'm calling it a Frankensteiner because he also like lands on his head while he does it. So the, generally that's mm-hmm. the difference between a Hurricane Rana and a Frankensteiner for me. For me. <laughs> um, Gargano lawn darts TT into the turnbuckle, but TT kicks out at two. Uh, Ricochet with a shooting star press, but just a two count. And the match just continues here. Fans are chanting, this is awesome. I was like, this is pretty fucking great. Uh, Gargano's in. He wants the Hertz donut, but Ida breaks it up. Now a run of everyone hitting their moves, like every finisher that they have. Ricochet with a huge diving clothesline to end it on uh, Tomahawk. Uh, All six men are down. The crowd begins a standing ovation. Ricochet wants a big corner flip. He plants Tomahawk, climbs but the ropes. But the other team, he's in the other team's corner, I think. Like, because they're just there on the apron, and they just crotch yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah, uh, he walks the ropes and then hits a hurricanrana afterwards. Yeah, Aita there. Aita. Uh, Shima took Ricochet out for a two-count. Aita with a moonsault to the floor. What's the cradle, a- like, dropping maneuver <sighs> that Shima keeps hitting here? I I don't know. I don't... And, and, and Lenny says nothing yes. about any move, so... <laughs> Oh, uh, Ida then hits a moonsault to the dude. It looked like he hit his head on the apron on the ring post. On this moonsault, like, yeah, yeah. When Ida hits this moonsault from the corner mm-hmm. to the outside corner, because it looks like, like it he's does, gonna it doesn't look like he cleared it in the ring. TT's holding Ricochet to be hit, but right. instead he just moonsaults backwards and hits whoever's outside. But also, I didn't notice it till later on. There are zero mats on the outside of this ring. It is straight yeah. cement that these guys are diving out onto. To like, ah, uh, just insane. Totally. So, yeah, Aida does that. Double knees off the top from Shima to Ricochet. But Gargano breaks up the pin attempt. Shima and Gargano then exchange chops until Shima puts a stop to that with a super kick. How did they Johnny comes back with a super kick of his own. Like, the announcer's like, finally, these two team captains in the ring. I was like, holy shit, how did you guys hold off on this so long? And they built it so well to this point. Like, I was into this fucking part of the match. No, they did a good job. You're right. And it's in all the madness, they just managed not to touch, I guess. Yeah. They may have, I don't know, but in the ring like this, they haven't done anything. So they trade super kicks. Gargano hits the Hertz donut, locks on the Gargano escape, but T-Hawk's able to break it up. Swan in with a super kick, chops for T-Hawk. Swan then throws TT into the ropes, and the announcer says TT's out of gas because he just like kind of falls into the ropes here. Yeah. Um, Ida's back in hits a gorgeous slam of some form on Swan. I don't even know what the heck to even call this. It was so smooth though. In comes Gargano hits the Hertz donut. Rich Swan with the standing 450 splash. Ricochet comes in with the 630 senton. They pin Ida for the win, and your winners are Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, and Rich Swan. But more importantly, Ricochet gets the pin and will get whatever championship challenge he wants. Which that was odd that there wouldn't be any kind of like a dispute at the end of the match, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause not only did, you know, Ricochet win, like while they were probably both right there, everybody did like their finishing move, you know, like yeah. it was this sequence thing. And then Ricochet got the pin and it's like, they're not a team. They don't, <laughs> you know, they don't particularly like each other. So yeah, it just would have seemed, it seemed odd that Gargano, now maybe Gargano was outside the ring. I don't remember, but, even Swan, you would imagine, would want that opportunity. So For sure. No, you're not wrong. I hadn't really thought about that. But anyway, yeah, Ricochet gets the pinfall, and now he can challenge either Gargano, Shima, or 
whoever the Evolve champion. I was curious if he could challenge for Shima because the announcer then tells us that he could challenge for the Dragon Gate USA tag title, the Dragon Gate USA championship, or the Dragon uh. Gate USA like mid-level championship. He very clearly doesn't say the Dream Gate. Oh, <laughs> so, so I was like, no. I don't know that he's allowed to challenge for that one. You you can't challenge for the Dream Gate. Don't be ridiculous. Well, I mean, because with when when I started reading the wiki about like T Hawk and stuff, it's like. They seem like they're on a completely different. Like these are two separate companies almost. Yeah. As far as storylines yeah. go. So yeah, I don't think that that would necessarily be allowed. But Ricochet grabs Gargano's belt and motions like he wants a shot for that, and then hands it to Gargano and then leaves. So he's out of the story, I guess. The fans are chanting Dragon Gate like a lot, and uh, that like three dudes were chanting that. Gargano grabs the mic. He uh, calls for Shima to come back to the ring. And uh, Gargano, you know, begins talking about how he's an icon. And uh, here's a little bit of that. This promotion started, it was all about the annual Dragon Gate six-man tag. And you, you are the icon of Dragon Gate. All of this, all of this is because of you. have always been a part of the most profound turning points in my entire career. You are someone I look up to. You are like a mentor to me. And I just want to say it was an honor being in this ring with a talent like you. So you can hear some of the crowd already realizing that this isn't going to be necessarily an all-face promo here. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Like there's that one guy that like already had to like start booing. <laughs> What are you booing? Um, yeah, Johnny would go on to challenge Shima to a uh, title versus title match. Yeah, and the way that he does that is by saying, the reason that I wanted to have this match was just to let you know that me and you were on the same level. And I loved Shima's response to this. <laughs> was to finally show the world that Dragon Gate USA and Johnny Gargano are on the same level of a Shima. And then this, this title in my hands right here, the Dragon Gate USA Open the Freedom Gate Championship is on the same level as your Dream Gate title. Me and you, same level. That's a confident statement. What do you say? Same level? Holy shit. However, maybe, maybe. Hey, oh yes, everybody, would you like to see double title? Yeah. Yeah. No, I would. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, I just, I love that. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. No, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, amazing response there to Gargano. And then here comes John Davis. Because... He just really wanted to put a wet blanket on this crowd and all their excitement. <laughs> I was so curious. Like, I didn't look into it, but like, I'm it seems like this is a great way to like establish that Davis and Gargano are in a connection somewhat. But right. I don't know if this is just part of Davis just being ornery and hitting referees and doing stuff, or if this is a connection that then goes on to be something. Right. I mean, I'm sure it goes on to something. Yeah, he comes up and attacks both men from behind. Well... He pushes Shima, who then tumbles into Gargano. So well, I don't yeah, know that he was right. even attacking Gargano, but yeah. Sure. Uh, crowd chants, you still suck. <laughs> yep. 
So not happy about that. Gargano would talk Davis into stopping his attack. And then Gargano would deliver a low blow on Shima that really got the crowd angry again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, this is good stuff here is, you know, he just low blows him. The fans start chanting, fuck you, Johnny. Uh, Swan then comes in. is like, what the fuck's going on? Gargano pulls him in for a hug and then super kicks him in the face as the fans boo more. Gargano throws Swan to the floor, then throws him into the barricade. Then Johnny grabs a strap of some form and begins mocking Shima on the microphone and choking him. Swan wants to know what's going on. Oh, he hugs him. He just super kicked his best friend. Did you enjoy the show, Shima? Did you enjoy the show? Mocking Shima. That traditional speech that Shima gives at the end of every Dragon Gate event. Did you enjoy the show? I'm doing this for you. This is for each and every single one of you people. I am your hero. I'm your hero? What the hell is he doing? I love you all. <laughs> so there you go. Heal Johnny. Uh, then slaps hands on the way to the back as he leaves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, good solid stuff there. Yeah, you know, I mean, I liked the. You know, he was a little bit dismissive, so he kind of, you know, no, you're gonna, you know, respect me, kind of a situation there. So, mm-hmm. no, I good really, stuff. I really enjoyed this this interaction. I thought this was, you know, because we're so used to these indie shows just being like match, match, match. You right. know, maybe a little bit of fill in from the announcers. I thought this was really well done, you know, and this may, may not be something that they're always doing on the, on the card, but this is good. No, absolutely. And, you know, like you had mentioned, I mean, this place, they're nuts for Shima. So <laughs> definitely. So yeah, an official comes out to check on Shima and the announcer goes, what the hell did all that mean? And I was like, well, it seems pretty clear, uh, but okay. Now it's time for the main yeah. event. Yeah. Match number eight. It's Shingo Takagi taking on Akira Tazawa. Yeah. And now it's they're very clear to only say the word Shingo. I was so curious on like if he added the name Takagi after this or if he had it before and it got rid of it. Oh yeah, that's true. Because when the when the crowd is chanting Tazawa, I was like he probably was just like as he went into New Japan, I was like I need a three <laughs> syllable chant. So <laughs> let's go with Takagi. There we go. You might be onto something there. But yeah, Tazawa yeah. is the group leader of Mad Blanky in Japanese Dragon Gate, and I guess was a part of the Tomahawk rename storyline. Uh, and the announcer thanks everyone for joining the show before these guys can even come down to the ring here, as he starts, you know, kind of just does the whole thing where they, you know, they they thank Evolve and Dragon Gate, and all these are available on WWN.com. Right. So there you go. Yeah, that whole song and dance. Yeah, crowd is heavily behind Tozawa. Like, it seems like he's the, uh, yeah. Tazawa, the crowd favorite here. I didn't check Tazawa's age, but Shingo at this point is 30 or 31 years old. Okay. Today, he's 37, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, there's a number of streamers that come in for him from the crowd. But, like you said, the Tazawa crowd, like, even though he's from, like, a heel stable and is the bad guy mm-hmm. in this match, it, this is 50-50, basically, for this, this crowd here. 
No, you're not wrong. No, I mean, yeah, it goes back and forth. You know, it certainly isn't all one one or the other. Yeah. We're told these two are former partners, now heated rivals, who have put on blow-away matches across the world. Uh, Shingo gives the clean rope break here early on after they get pushed into the ropes, and then Akira Tozawa gets a chance to do that same thing shortly after and begins to and then spits in the face of Shingo. It's very Naito Okada, but uh, Shingo fires up with strikes, some Mongolian chops, and then a shoulder block puts Tozawa down. Shingo with some very fast offense, but Tozawa is able to counter and hit a senton to kind of get him back going here. But he asks for something and then delivers like a bunch of chops on Shingo, like the rapid fire chops. But he was like yelling at the crowd for some reason. I don't know exactly what he was wanting from them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Probably wanted to say something or count along. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, Shingo was ready in one last chop. And Tozawa stopped short and punched him in the face. So I like that after <laughs> all those chops, he was ready for it. Uh, men then go back and forth in the middle of the ring. Shingo drops Tozawa with a double hand chop. Uh, Shingo then tosses Akira to the outside. Uh, he, whip, he, he whips Tozawa into the guardrail and then drops him face first on the apron. Uh, Akira, though, is barely able to beat the 20 count after telling what? the ref to just stop, which cracked me up. Yeah, the, the ref just, gets to eight, and he goes, stop. And it's like, and then he just stands there for longer. It's like, well, you're not allowed to goes, just do that. Yeah, yeah, he just goes, stop. And the ref just stops, and then, yeah, he eventually gets back in. Uh, Shin goes on top of him, though, as soon as he slides under the ropes. So Yeah, he's like marching on uh, Tazawa's chest there. Uh, yeah. Shingo blocks a slam and muscles Tazawa into a vertical suplex and hits that. Shingo with a falling elbow out of the corner, which is just an, it, kind of a unique way of hitting the elbow. Like, as soon as he got his feet to the top rope, he was, like, letting his body fall down. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, mean knee to the side of the head on Akira Tozawa, but Akira Tozawa is able to block a powerbomb, rolls through a hurricane rana, and hits the running knee to the face or a shining wizard. Uh, as Akira Tozawa begins trading forearms, and Shingo begins coming back with headbutts, Tozawa with a dropkick sends Shingo to the floor, and then a suicide dive that doesn't even knock Shingo down. So a second one does put him on his knees, and then he dives off the apron with a cannonball onto Shingo. And that's when I was like, oh, Jesus, there's no mats out there, and these guys are doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Shingo's rolled back into the ring, and Tozawa hits another splash in the corner. A brainbuster from Tozawa gets a two count, and we then get elbows to the back of Shingo's head. Uh, Shingo, though, comes back with a big shot to the back of Tozawa's head. Uh, Shingo charges in, but Tozawa gets his boots up, Shingo, though, blocks a second boots-up attempt and places Akira in the shattered dreams position, kind of, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, spread there on the ropes, and then just pounds him, just beats him (laughs) all over his body. I I was like, is he going to really, is he going to, like, do the shattered dreams? Like, I didn't know what his, like, deal was. Like, no, he just put him in that position and then just punches him everywhere. Yeah, he's, like, doing this, like, punch when you come across this way and then chop coming back so it's like yeah. punch chop punch chop just beating the shit out of the guy yeah, it's, it's awesome ugly. the fans are chanting yeah. this is awesome we get a beautiful neck breaker by shingo to stop a counter from atira tozawa a sliding lariat to the seated tozawa and shingo is able to cover for the two count shingo begins really playing to the crowd he's asking for more support he doesn't like it when the tozawa chants come in as well <laughs> <laughs> and then he wants the pump handle clutch. He's looking for the made in Japan, but Tazawa is able to get out of it. Hits a big head kick and a Saito suplex, and this allows Tazawa to kind of get his uh, comeback here a little bit. Yeah, Tazawa looking strong. 
Uh, Shingo, though, catches him charging in and puts him on his shoulders, climbs to the top rope, has only bad intentions. Uh, Tozawa, though, slips free, and uh, he's pushed down by Shingo to the mat. Akira comes back with a bicycle kick that catches Shingo, and then he leaps up top and delivers a superplex. Both men are down. Uh, Tozawa can't get the German suplex, but he catches Shingo with a hurricanrana. Uh, Shingo is now on the apron and is kicked to the floor. Tozawa would attempt a dive, but Shingo catches him and delivers a power bomb on the apron. That is brutal. Dude, I, I so wanted to have higher quality video of this to put a gif of this specific moment on <laughs> online because it is fucking amazing. The way that he just yeah. like he dives full force and Shingo somehow catches him and doesn't fall down and like just catches him in like the fucking FU position. The fireman's carry yeah. flips it into the power bomb and slams it into the fucking apron. I was just I was blown away. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Back in the ring, Tozawa kicks out at two after a bit of a delay there, obviously, because it's such a right. big move. Uh, running Lariat in the corner hits a gallon throw suplex where Tozawa like, flips all the way over as he's falling and lands on his face. A dueling chance continue here. Crowd really likes both these guys still. Shingo gets back to his feet. They trade strikes. Akira Tozawa with a Saito suplex. Shingo right back with his suplex. They then trade two more suplexes. Shingo hits the last one, and the fans begin a standing ovation as the men begin screaming at each other as they stand up. We get big kicks from Akira Tozawa, a pop-up Death Valley driver by Shingo, and he misses a pumping bomber, which allows a German suplex from Akira Tozawa. Shingo doesn't sell it, right back up, hits the pumping bomber lariat. Yeah, and both men are down after that. Tozawa then delivers the double knees, followed by a shining wizard and covers for a two-count. Akira Tozawa then with a German suplex, with a bridge for another two Shingo blocks a second German suplex, delivers a lariat. Um, Akira, though, comes back with a series of forearm shots on Shingo. Uh, Shingo fights it off and hits made in Japan. But Akira kicks out at two, much to the shock of everyone. Mm-hmm. Shingo delivers a second made in Japan for another two count on Tozawa. <laughs> I thought because uh, the first one was like he muscled him up and like he was par- partially not able to get it over and then finally finished yeah. it. The second one's real fast. I thought for mm-hmm. sure that was the finish, but no, the kick out. No. Yeah, Shingo would get Tozawa up, delivers the pumping bomber, and this time, that's all, folks. One, two, three, oh. your winner, Shingo. Dude, like, what a fucking match. Like, these guys put on a hell of a match by the end. I, was, I really enjoyed this. Oh, it's absolutely, yeah. Outstanding. Perfect, you know, damn near perfect match. Uh, these two, you know, go together very well mm-hmm. you know the 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 physicality was there the psychology was there i mean yeah it was a all around great showing from both of these and, uh, you know great great competitors i don't want to you know i i hate that we constantly feel like i feel like we're constantly talking about you know negative outcomes from going to wwe but man you look at the fucking paths these two men have taken and it's like tazawa's got fucking ninjas and yeah. sh- being eaten by sharks and uh and fucking Shingo Takagi's like the baddest man in fucking New Japan right now. So you're not wrong. I mean, there's probably something to be said about the condition of Akira's body at this point. Probably true <laughs> compared to maybe what Shingo goes through. But you're not wrong though. Yeah, the success-wise, Shingo's having a hell of a hell of a time. And I referenced it right when we got into the show. But fucking these two men aren't even up on their feet, and like the majority of the crowd is gone. 
Yeah. Like this match right. ends and they're out the fucking door. <laughs> yeah. This has to be, if this was the last show for WrestleMania, it must've been the day of WrestleMania and it must've been <sighs> time to go watch fucking WrestleMania. Like so. <laughs> Cause we go from like a couple hundred people to like 45. There's some hardcores that stick around and thank God right. they do. But I guess, you know, you know that you're not getting a promo. So I guess you might as well leave, but true. Uh, yeah, they finally get up. You know, he, we get some you know good sportsmanship stuff with Shingo kind of showing some sportsmanship to Akira. Akira mm-hmm. kind of being a little bristly about it, but still leaving after shaking his hand. Yeah, so, going. That's in. it, folks. Yeah, that's a indie pay per view for you. There's no, <laughs> there's no. It's just a very abrupt good night and the door closes kind of a situation. <laughs> true. Going in, I knew the card would be stacked. I didn't realize how well ordered the matches would be. I thought this show was well built. Like it starts yeah. very you know quick matches. We're, the first like five matches happen in the first forty minutes of this show, right? And no, then and the rest of it's the rest of the time. No, you're right. It's a it's a balanced show. Um, I think it's paced and the timing of it all is pretty well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was impressed. Now I just really want to see the Shingo and Gargano match from April sixth of twenty thirteen. Right, but yeah, second opinions time. Uh, I couldn't find Dave Meltzer's thoughts. I, I unless this was happening during the Hall of Fame, I would imagine that Meltzer would have been there. But um, yeah, couldn't find him. So instead, we got Larry Sanka's star ratings to compare them to the late Larry Sanka. Tony, uh, let's start off with match number one: Nice versus Soldier Ant. What did you give it? Um, you know, solid opener, uh, quick. You know, so I gave mm-hmm. it one and a half stars. That's fair. I think uh, Sanka really liked it. Two and three-quarter stars here, almost three stars for this opening match. Okay. Uh, match two, Scott Reed and Caleb Conley. Um, you know, it's a match, again, that has a pretty solid story being told throughout, um, whether or not the commentary helps out with that, <laughs> but ultimately falls apart and has way too much interference for my liking. I gave it one and one-quarter stars. I'm much more where you're at. Sanka gave it two stars, so... Yeah, he thought that was okay. Not as good as the first one. Uh, Super Smash Bros. versus Cannon and Callahan. You know, I really wanted <laughs> to love this match. Same here, and man. Uh, it's just there's just times that we're trying a little too hard to make something happen, and it looks like you're trying to make something happen, and then if it botches, it just <laughs> really takes me out of it. Um, so this moment had flashes, but overall, I, I wasn't a huge fan. I gave it one star. Okay. I, I mean, that's, that's totally fair. I understand your reasoning there. Uh, here's what Sanka had to say about the match. He said it was going along well, but the end looked like it was affected by Uno, Uno's injury. I hope he's okay. Right. The win by the Super Smash Brothers should set them up for a title match against the Bucks down the line. He gave this match three stars. Highest rated match on the card so far. So. I mean, that's why that's know, what I mean. he must, if, you know, I don't know. Maybe this was like Uno tore a, a shoulder ligament or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, either way, uh, I thought the match kind of fell apart by the end. Match four, mm-hmm. Brian Kendrick versus Chuck Taylor. What say you? Uh, solid showing here from both of these men. Not that that's surprising by any means, um, mm-hmm. but I gave this match three stars. I'm right with you. Three stars. I, I really enjoyed this. I loved the getting to see the uh, gentlemen's club kind of get starting out here mm-hmm. on this. Uh, two and three quarters from Mr. Sanka. We then go to match five. Seven man ladders are legal match. Listen, this is a lot. And it's not all great. Like, it's yeah. just at times it's just a little bit too much, maybe. But, um, you know, it's hard not to like a lot of what you see here. And I gave it three and a half stars. Oh, 
Ding, ding, ding. On the money with Larry Sanka, three and a half stars. And he had oh, fairly man. similar things. He said, this wasn't quite as good as yesterday's match. It didn't have the flow. Oh. And while there were a few cool spots, I never felt wowed. He said the right guy won, but it is a bit questionable having him win over the Young Bucks, who are the tag champions right now. So interesting there. Match six, Orange Cassidy, John Davis. I mean, it's like, this is hard. I didn't give this a rating because it was a really fun Orange Cassidy segment. Yeah. That then ended in a disqualification. You know what I mean? Like, it's an angle more than I'd say a match. Yeah, 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 you took the words right out of Sanka's mouth here. No rating. They did some Ah. stuff. Cassidy's amusing in his comedy role, but it was all to set up Davis hitting another referee and losing via DQ yet again. Cassidy wins via DQ. My daughter just watched it and said, yep, that was a match. (laughs) Well, damn it. All right. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much where I stand. And your match seven was the six-man tag, the Shima Invitational. What'd you give it? Much like the latter war thing. I mean, it's, you know, cotton candy, and it's uh, Mm -hmm. a lot here. It's not all perfect, but it's a lot of fun, and I gave it four stars. Hey, uh, pretty close to Mr. Sonka. He gave it four and a quarter stars. Mm. I'm probably right, you know, right with both of you here. Uh, you know, he thought it was a good match, and I just think, you know, that plus the storyline with Gargano and Shima and the way the crowd was reacting, I mm-hmm. I really loved this stuff. This is like these last two matches. If you can find this show online, go fucking watch these. These are good shit. Absolutely. Match eight, your main event: Shingo versus Akira Tozawa. Uh, you know, great matchup here between these two. A outstanding ending to this match. You know, the last five, ten minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave it four and a half stars. Hey, real close to where Sanka was at. Four and a quarter stars as well for this one. Mm. Overall, it was a very good match to close the show as a double main event deal. The show certainly closed on a high note. It felt like they were going for an epic match, but it didn't quite get there. Still, it was a very good match, said Larry Sanka. And his, I, I agree with most of what he said yeah, there. Yeah, same here. Four one one Mania's late Larry Sanka. His overall thoughts: He said it was going to be hard to top last night's show, but they still put on a good main of, or good event. The undercard was generally good, outside of a few things. He said John Davis wasn't good, but the card was built on the <laughs> six man and the main event, and they did deliver. It was certainly a good weekend for the Dragon Gate USA product. And if anything, make sure you catch the double main event because they are worth your time and money. Your show rating was a 7.7, so just oh. below his very high rating on the 411 okay. rating chart. I would, I would imagine if I just off the top of my head, y'all, mine would probably be like around a seven and a half, probably almost. Probably All right. Maybe just, maybe just under seven and a half. So. so we, you know, one of the places we usually check for those overall ratings is Cage Match, where there's only one review of this show, and it took place a year or a week after the show took place. So I thought, let's read it. Translated from Go- from German by Google, uh, it's Typhix, writing on April 15th of 2013. He gave it a 6 out of 10, said, As the day before, the same applies here. Not at all wrong, but I cannot say for myself that I am completely enthusiastic. I found the first half of the pay-per-view quite poor. Nice and Soldierant had only the or only had hesitation. Nice with his Mister White or or his White Mister Hughes, as he called it, to keep pushing. Okay, but nothing significant. The same applies to the grudge match of the X scene, who are the SSB and uh, and then the SSB and Duff encounter. Brian Kendrick is currently rather boring. He said, not the most outstanding commitment. Uh, then it got better. The Frey ladder match was good. Fast paced with meaningful little stories and a monster victory. Cassidy and Davis don't need to talk about. It. At least it was short. The six man tag match was then good as well as the match Shingo and Tozawa, which was clearly the match of the evening. 
So okay, yeah, you know, he seems just slightly more negative on it than we were, but <laughs> for the most yeah, part, yeah. everybody seems to be mostly in agreement that this was a good show. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. So yeah, that's our thoughts on Dragon Gate USA Mercury Rising. Thanks to my random piracy in 2012 and 2013, I had that on a hard drive, so we decided to review it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, but not you know a lot of fun, great show, fun seeing a lot of these guys, you know at this time in 2013 and to see where they are now. So definitely, but good stuff, Tony, as is with the world of wrestling, we have to go on. We've got another review to do next week. Where are we headed? Well, we are going in the complete opposite direction of what we watched this week. That's for sure. We're going to review the survivor series from 1990. It's the fourth survivor series. Um, and it features all Eight or all four on four traditional Survivor Series matchups. Yeah, you got the Warriors and the Perfect Team, the Million Dollar Team, and the Dream Team, <laughs> the Visionaries and the Vipers, the Hulkamaniacs and the Natural Disasters, the yeah. Alliance and the Mercenaries. We'll all be going head to head, and and for the one and only time at the 1990 Survivor Series. The survivors of those matchups will face off in a good guys versus bad guys. How they kayfabe decided that. (laughs) But somehow all the good guys end up on one side and all the bad guys end up on another. And we have a three on five Survivor Series main event. I won't tell you the participants. I'm I'm excited to check this out because, you know, it's a little bit of the classic sort of survival Survivor Series thing, but with a twist. So it should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And I I can't wait for the Visionaries versus the Vipers. That's the one that Ah. that caught my eye right away. (laughs) Yeah, totally. All right, man. So that's where we're heading next week. In the meantime, if folks want to take uh, keep up with us, you can do so on two places, Twitter and Facebook. For Facebook, just search for the name of the podcast. For Twitter, it's at GrappleCast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. You can follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll catch you next week. Four Survivor Series from 1990.
poisonous to give him a little taste of his medicine. There's a snake that thinks it's the president. Once we put this all behind us, we get to go right back to school shootings and a climate crisis. I wanna buy a house on the South Island. Can't say I'm proud to be American. All my friends get sick. It's on the president. All my friends get sick. It's on his government. Take me to the place where the poison is to put a face to what's poisonous. To give him a little taste of his medicine. There's a snake that thinks it's the president. To the place where the poison is to put a face to what's poisonous. To give him a little taste of his medicine. There's a snake that thinks it's the president. sir i am we are recording okay um what are your thoughts on the developments this week in the mash brains of one drake Wirtz, Jesus. the referee for the wwe oh i wasn't sure if this was going to be the dish or not but it, <laughs> it is uh nah. it's kind of insane the way that like it's just slowly rolled out like we've watched you know if you were one of the people that jumped to the conclusion that he was a shithead right from the beginning it's just mm-hmm. been proven that you were like, he's just conti- like he's everybody that keeps giving him the benefit of the doubt. He just keeps shedding more and more people week after True. week. It seems like with these events and these posts and now this parlor thing where people realize who he's following, like yeah. it is yeah. a mess. Yeah. So if you didn't hear about it, uh, WWE official Drake Wirtz or, you know, former indie worker, Drake younger, uh, like, like you had mentioned, it's been well known and kind of documented and people have kind of been making jokes about it over the last couple of years about his right-wing kind of way about things. And mm. uh, it was only exacerbated this week with, uh, you know, the account on Parler kind of coming into knowledge, common knowledge and yeah, and if, his following if you don't Proud know Boys the existence, and many other questionable people. If you don't know what the existence of Parler is, blessed are you. You are such a... Yeah, exactly. You're living a great life. Um, but yeah, don't worry, you will. It's Twitter without any pushback for conservative ideals. It, it's Twitter built with a specific tool set to squash any pushback against conservative ideals, specifically. You can check out yeah. the Wired article about it. It's really well put, the way that they explain how, like, basically anyone that doesn't like what you're saying back to them can just report you as spam if you respond to, like, more than two messages, and suddenly you'll be muted on their page or whatever. 
And, uh, so that's, yeah. yeah. So, so that's that. that. And it's, and it's, and it's the place that where the Proud Boys and all yeah. of this, like, s- save the steel bullshit, like, they've all moved mm-hmm. over there. So not to get too political, but that's kind of what's going on there. And Drake is right in the middle of it because we've seen the posts of him talking about the save the children thing, which I can always mm-hmm. understand where some people get caught up in that because it's such a sympathetic yeah. position to be in. But then it's right, like but- when you look further, there's nothing there or there is something there, but it's not quite what they're saying it is. Yeah, and uh, and basically he's just infecting the rest of the locker room accordingly. Uh, it seems like because he's been you know slowly bringing various individuals in with him to these events, but now they're getting some pushback, especially with this post coming to light. I saw Bronson Reed immediately came out and was just like, "Look, mm-hmm. if you're following the Proud Boys and all these fascists, you're not a good person. Like you're just a piece yeah. of shit. Like that's bottom line right there." Yeah, and that's really what I wanted to talk about is just the fact that this is. It's going to be interesting to see how this is received, how well this goes over, and if there's any pushback. I mean, it's not like this is all new information. Yeah, you know, as far as just maybe you're a little more made, a little more aware of it. Um, Could you imagine if uh, Ali, if he had been like following an, an Al Qaeda oh, Twitter account? Oh yeah, it's, like because that's what it is. The Proud Boys are exactly. like the Al Qaeda of the English exactly. world, and no, you're, that's what he's following. No, you're absolutely right. And the man, if you follow him on Twitter, already on a daily basis gets crap from people that accuse him of being involved in things like, oh, that. you know okay. what I mean? Like just shows the ignorance that he deals with anyways. Yeah. If it was known that he had any association or an affiliation with anything, yeah, geez, yeah people would lose their minds and it would, yeah, no, it, it's obnoxious. Um, and I can't imagine this is going to be, you know, like you say, maybe pulled a few people in, but you know, people still talk about how, Jackson Riker is a cancer in the lock. Like, you know, yeah. nobody wants anything to do with him. Nobody. So <laughs> I don't know that there's a lot of people there that are going to be interested in what Drake's talking about. So we'll see what it ends just, up happening. It just feels like it's one of those things where the people that are in charge understand that the majority of their locker room don't like it, but they're kind of sympathetic towards it anyways, because they're usually on right. that side anyways. And so they're just, you know, quietly keeping them on the roster quietly you know they're taking back the amount of times we see drake refereeing matches we're not seeing jackson Riker fucking anywhere right now uh, <laughs> but you know maybe yeah. in six months he'll they'll bring him back and he'll be the next you know what's his name that just came back recently fucking lars sullivan and they'll have a whole program Tur- for him <sighs> turtleneck sullivan we yeah. didn't even talk about that because who cares but did you see that like i think it was last week like with the two weeks so two weeks ago he did like a sit-down interview and he had a turtleneck on okay for some reason <laughs> And everyone's like, well, that's kind of weird. And then literally the next week, he was doing a sit-down interview without his shirt on at all. And it was like, <laughs> a very sharp contrast there. Um, and then he wasn't around. I don't know even know what they're doing with him. I'm not sure if he's going to be back. Like, oh, okay. It just doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. And like they, you know, nobody's excited about it. So no. why even bother? <laughs> nope. Why even there. bother? Um, yeah. So there's that. On to other more show-related things. Uh, we're just chugging along to the Survivor Series. Not that anybody cares. Because they've made... Like, the way they've, like, announced the teams has been weird. You know, because yeah. Raw women were just like, yeah, this is our team. And then, like, SmackDown still having qualifying matches. And yeah. Raw men, like, a few were announced. And then some he had to earn their spot. SmackDown still figuring theirs out. It's... I don't know. It's just not been all that well it. done, and it's yeah. it's in, it's not all that interesting anyway. Um, we had Miz TV to open Raw, and uh, Randy Orton was not 
playing around and was not having fun with these guys. Um, said he could only beat him with the briefcase. He's very nervous about Miz having the briefcase. Uh, he brought up the Miz being brought, tossed out of the locker room years ago and mentioned Morrison left and went and worked in the minor leagues because he couldn't <laughs> cut it here and just being very Randy Orton about things. Miz and Morrison are like, hey, man, calm down. Like, we're in a six-man tag tonight. Like, what, mm-hmm. why all the hostility? So he's, he's on edge, you would say. Um, they want a shot at the tag team titles. And then the New Day came out and blah, blah, blah. Uh, eventually McIntyre came out and Miz took Drew out with the brief, briefcase and alleviated a little bit of Randy's worries, I guess, uh, for the time being. So, yeah. um, you know, not bad stuff. Miz and Morrison have been a nice addition to Raw. Um, I know the Otis stuff's frustrating from a standpoint of, like, how it was handled. But yeah. the briefcase does make much – is just better off with the Miz. Like, he's for just sure. – better suited to carry it. It's a nice <laughs> chip to have on his shoulder. He's, you know, always a threat to cash it in. I, it's just, you know, it's in better hands. So Definitely. unfortunely for Otis, they now, pissed that away. As far as you're concerned, I guess, is where are you at with like the new day? Have you felt like they've been able to kind of get any momentum going now that they've you know lost their big E or, <sighs> I mean, you know, there's still the new day and there's no crowd. So it's really hard to tell much about any of this, yeah. but it feels very stale. Mm-hmm. Now, like with it being like the two man group and there isn't any biggie, it kind of feels like it's the rock band that loses their lead singer and then they're still yeah. like on tour. And you're like, yeah, I mean, they're pretty <laughs> good, but it's not really the same. It just, you know what I mean? It's like, I think yeah. it's just really been proven that it, the dynamic was best as a trio. Mm-hmm. And so you're, a, kind of feel- you're, you're not a fan of like going to a journey concert without Steve Perry being there. <laughs> No, I mean the guy can sound. The guy sounds a lot like Steve Perry, but yeah, you know, I mean. Uh, so no, I don't know. And it's also just again, how come nobody cries for Kofi? We yeah. like start hashtags for Naomi, and everyone's just like, the night Kofi lost to Brock, everyone just like moved on with their lives. Yeah. They're like, well, that was fun. I guess we'll all just move. It's like, why don't we ever? Why don't we piss and moan about Kofi being stuck in the new day and mm-hmm. the fact that his world title reign didn't really lead to much. And now we've got Jay freaking Uso that's getting like a major <laughs> singles push. Like, I do think that a lot of the people that would be crying for Kofi are kind of satiated by the the promised push of a Big E, but that hasn't necessarily right, yeah. happened fully. And so who knows if that'll well, end up right. happening or not. That's true. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I think people at this point are more behind the idea of Big E getting a push. But uh, yeah, I don't know. They're just kind of there. And then it also really doesn't help. And I know this is going to maybe kind of sound bad a little bit, but it doesn't help that they literally traded them in the street profits. Yeah. And so now it feels like, I don't know. You know, it just, it's just, they just took the puzzle pieces and replaced them. Right. Of, right. And now like it feels like an, they're also just still in that like same role. Like, yes, they kind of, they make, they crack jokes about everybody and they're, you know, I don't know. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's so it's weird in that way too. Like where it feels like they're just filling that vacate, you know, the vacated hole by the street profits or something. I don't know. It's just, seems like it was time for everybody to move on, and instead we're kind of clinging to it, and I don't think it's doing anybody any good. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, they're the tag champs. Again. <laughs> hey, as long as they have a good match on Survivor Series, I'll be happy at this point. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's right. a lot of momentum for them. Which I'm sure they will. You know, I'm sure it'll be great, uh, I suppose. Uh, we had a last chance King of the Ring qualifier as Team Raw filled out their team of, I guess, five, I believe. Uh, Riddle, don't call me Matt, defeated Jeff Hardy and Elias to be the final man to qualify for Team Raw. Uh, 
And the AJ Styles team captain stuff has been gold, though. Like, <laughs> I, I do have to give him credit for just being great about he's you know speaking as a captain and speaking for the team, and then everybody was just coming be like, "You're not the captain. Like, why do you keep calling yourself? You know, and just like him getting questioned on it all the time. And uh, yeah, Sheamus came up angry, and it was like, "Who picked Riddle? It's like Sheamus." Nobody picked Riddle. Like he just won a match. <laughs> yeah. Like were you not paying attention? It was just like he walked up like he hadn't been watching Raw up to that point. Um, so yeah, whatever. The team Raw stuff's actually been pretty well done so far. Like mm-hmm. the AJ's been a fun centerpiece as like the captain. Nobody wants to be captain. And Dude, that's the thing about AJ though is he's, he's just so good. Like yeah, he is. He's amazing. He's just so good at portraying this character and somehow being like the only person that can make WWE like verbiage sound normal. Or at least sound like in a way that it's entertaining, and right. uh, and yeah, it just seems like no matter where they put him, he knocks it out of the park. And they've almost started to rely on that, and I think mm-hmm. that's probably a problem. But you know, yeah. it, it's, well, it's yeah, turned it into could, the the whole like season two of Community, where they're like, and then Donald says something funny. It's like then AJ will make this better than what we wrote, right. wrote out. That'll be what we need. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it's kind of it's resulted in him being a part of every draft. I think up to this point since he's been in the company. Yeah. Like he's mm-hmm. raw smackdown, raw smackdown, raw smackdown. <laughs> like, can we need you over here? We need you over here. So, but you know, like I said, the survivor series, build, survivor series build hasn't been great, but I do have to give styles credit for at least making the raw side of things, uh, entertaining, if nothing else. Nice. Uh, Dr- Drew Gulak was rejected from hurt business as they've just been turning people away. Um, truth would pin in for the 24 seven title. More on that later. My God. Um, we get a recap of the last seven weeks that Lana's been put through an announce table. Did you see that she also has a chronicle coming up? Like, so this is how you're promoting her chronicle on the network uh, that's upcoming. I mean, it are is we going to more... watch her go through the table all this all these times? <laughs> I mean, it is a more like there's there's something to her character at least right now. Like you know, seeing her yeah. having this running gag. You know that right. that there's a thing like. I think that might be something that WWE has maybe learned a little bit from the AEW side where like, you know, John Silver, he got over by bits, running bits that they just kept doing and like, and they just kept putting them on TV. And then like, that's kind of what they're doing here with her. I don't know if it'll work out because I don't know if she has the abilities that John Silver has when you actually have to have a singles match, but it is something at least, but at the same time, it is the most like baffling thing to me that they they've, this is the direction they've gone with. They're like, all right, we don't have your husband anymore. He's not even in the company, but we want to keep you. We're going to put you more on TV, but what we're just going to do is just put you through this table that breaks apart on its own every time. Well, but that's been part of the problem too, though, is that like there isn't a crowd, so it's hard to tell a lot, but it doesn't seem like it's working. It seems to me like in Vincent's infinite wisdom, He's thinking that this is going to, yeah, we're going to get sympathy for Lana and everybody's going to feel bad for her. Because <laughs> now she's doing this thing where she has like constant sad face. Oh, okay. Like, and then she's down and she's dejected about things. And that she's just trying to be everyone's friend and they keep doing this to her because they're bullies. You know, it's yeah. like, they're, it's just a weird place for her character to be in where it's like, Vince, no one sympathizes with women that look like Lana. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. just not the angle that's going to work for that character. Well, like you haven't portrayed her as this like underdog, you know, I don't, she's, you can do I, it. it and the company weird. knows how, because they did it with right. Mandy Rose. Like, right. That's the kinda, crazy part yeah. is that they've got, they got sympathy on a girl that looks like that. Like they True. were able, they yeah. know how to do it. It's just not in the way that they're doing it right now. And, and, and once it becomes right. that comedic, it's like, we've already been dealing with three years of women turning heel and then finally being cheered. 
as soon as they right. start beating the shit out of somebody with a, a weapon. Like that is has been an issue for their their women's division, and it's like I don't know that this is going to work. This is just going to make the the entire audience jump in on the meta joke of it and just laugh at her being exactly. put through tables. Yeah, so I couldn't believe I saw that she has a chronicle coming up. So Shayna Baszler beat Lana in a match. Uh, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose stopped them from putting Lana through the table. And uh, that, you know, more to be continued there. Um, Styles decided that he's going to bring his whole team out to the ring so they could talk it out, and it did not go well. And we ended up having a tag team match where AJ was the referee as Matt Riddle and Keith Lee beat Braun Strowman and Sheamus. It was a pretty fun segment, again, just because AJ is great at what he does. For so. sure. Oh, yeah. Solace of there. A, an interesting segment backstage with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. It was just this weird, like, hey, buddy, hey, like, talking about the good old days and how they used to do this. And We're getting the Highlanders you know, 2.0, man. I just, yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking, like, this isn't, this isn't nothing. Like, this is <laughs> the beginning of something. It's probably going to be, like, Sheamus costing him his match against Orton. And then we're going to get Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus because that's now, what that's, the world's been clamoring for. I mean, it's not what I'm clamoring for, but it is a program right. that I'm totally interested in, like compared to like sure. just him going back to the title right now. Yeah, but that's true. My thought is they're going, they're not going to even do, they won't give us what's interesting. They won't give us the things that would be at least possible. It'll be a tag team and they're going to be the Highlanders 2.0. No. They're, they're, no. they're both from Scotland and Ireland. So that's what it'll, it'll be the Northerners. Uh, the, the United Kingdom. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Drew promises the <laughs> drinks will be on him after he wins his title back. So, you know, there you go. Nice. Um, Oscar fought Nia Jax. What? Uh, it was like two or three weeks ago, but just the, the idea of like the drinks are on me because I got the I got the win and the title just made me think of the whole like, did you see the thing with the pay window on AEW? I don't think so. I can't. I think it was after Brandon Cutler won his match against okay. the, the librarian or whatever because they had their their finally had their big, oh right you know loser versus loser match or whatever and somebody yeah. gets the win and he was looking for the pay window and then like I can't remember what characters it was but somebody just interrupted and like dude that's bullshit like there isn't a pay window like what are you talking about as <laughs> <laughs> an old dusty Rhodes there they're gonna go to the pay window with that one daddy <laughs> um yeah. So now Oscar fought Nia Jax, and if you thought Lana was getting out of a table this week, <laughs> you were wrong. This segment, uh, Shayna just puts an end to the match, and uh, when Nia was being choked out, Dana and Mandy attack Shayna and Nia, you know, blah, 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 blah. They get tossed out of the way. Nia then puts Lana through the announce table. So, yay. Yeah. It still happened. Uh, Angel Garza has been cutting these really. Go ahead. We 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 talk a lot about the negatives of the the women's division in AEW and like the way that right. WWE is better at it. And, like this is one of those yeah. things where it's like even though they haven't figured out what to do with Oscar, they've established her enough that like I'm totally fine with this being the yes. storyline that's getting the main yes. event or the main picture yeah, of this women's division right now. It's yeah, it's not hard. You know, I mean, I guess we saw. Well, we'll talk about it, but AEW at least took steps towards. That's true. They did try to build at least an, another story, an, so. an angle outside of the title. <laughs> so we'll see if that continues. Um, but anyway, first, uh, Angel Garza has been cutting really good promos the last couple of weeks. He's the lethal Lothario Ooh. now, as he carries a rose with him. Uh, things are going well for Angel, not so well for the other two thirds of his former team. Yeah, uh, I mean, Andrade's just done. No, he's which is like, crazy. Uh, 
He's, he may go back to NXT, but he's probably done. Like, he's married to about your, Zelina, your so. biggest like female athlete in your company, possibly going to be as like the biggest in the history of the company if she keeps yeah. going the way she has. Yeah. And, and and the company just doesn't care. They're like, all right, well, we don't have anything for you, dude. And yeah, and you, yeah, exactly. And you're gonna let go of maybe one of the most talented performers in the world. Yeah, like literally someone who could be a top guy in any other company in the world. Mm-hmm. And will be somewhere. If oh, they- absolutely. Yeah, I. That's the things like. He's one of those guys where it's like, I don't want him to go to AEW right away. I would love to watch Andrade make a run yeah. to New Japan and just have yeah. a little, a few matches over there and see what he could do with those guys. I mean, Los Angabernables, you know, they've oh, never yeah. really incorporated much of the Mexico side of things in mm-hmm. New Japan, so it could be interesting. Because um, you've also got those Ring of Honor guys that I'm sure could come and go if they, as they please do, Rush and yeah. you know, others. So. Definitely. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll see what happens there, but good for Angel Garza. Um, we, the 24-7 title, DP, was defended in like a seven-man match. There was a funny a truth segment interview I didn't get that he, of course, got everything confused and thought it was like a gift from seven people and that he was getting, had to be explained to him that, no, you're in a title match. And of course. So, um, this is like old-school, hardcore title stuff. We had Tozawa wins the title. Eric from Viking Raiders wins the title. Gulak beat him for the title. Tucker beat Gulak. Gulak beat Tucker. Tucker beat Gulak. Metalik beat Tucker. Lince Dorado beat Metalik. And then Truth beat Lince and ran away with his belt. So, like, was our, the our was, was the Metalik and Dorado stuff necessary to, to you? Because I thought, like, when I saw the clip right. of, like, Gulak and Tucker, like, it seemed like that should have happened, and then Truth should have gotten yeah. the win right after that, and that be the end of it. Right, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. For some reason, they just decided to kind of, whoa, the Lucha House Party's <laughs> at odds. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, oh. I mean, the match itself was what it was. Um, we hadn't really talked about this because I guess I wasn't sure how newsworthy it was, but I mean, what, we mentioned Tucker. Apparently, Vince has just moved on. Yeah. Tucker and Otis. Yeah. Like, I don't get Tucker it. Got, Tucker got squashed on Raw by Ricochet. He was in this match. He's. Apparently, they have nothing for him. And then Otis is still kind of involved in things on SmackDown. He fought Dolph Ziggler this week and stuff. But it, yeah, by all accounts, it's kind of like Vince just had one of his, like, wakes up and says, ah, nah, I'm over that. I'm done with that. I'd be curious to hear how he's, like, wording it, like, when they're talking in the writer's room and such about it. Because, like, is this one of those situations where he's just like, God damn it, all these toys are so boring. I can't figure out what to do with any of this. Or is it like, like you're saying here, where it's just like, I just forgot about that guy. I, we have too I mean, many. <laughs> but it seems like, you know, like look at like someone like Peyton Royce. Yeah. They're just like, oh, yeah. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Peyton Royce. Forgot about that. Um, yeah, you hate to see it. Really solid match. You know, actually kind of worth watching match between Mustafa Ali and Ricochet. Ricochet. Sorry. Uh, Mustafa got the victory. I mean, this retribution stuff, man, it's, it's mid card. <laughs> like, where yeah. it's at now. That's just what it is. Oh, yep. Um, Randy Orton's is curious about Adam Pierce's authority as the rest of us apparently this week. We found out as Adam Pierce came and told him what he, he was doing next week. He's going to defend the title against Drew and Randy just like did the hide and drag Michael Cole thing and just like pushed him up against the wall with his hand in his face. and was just like, who do you speak for? You know, like go back and tell those you speak because Adam Pierce is like, I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger. Yeah. And Randy was like, you know, not happy about that. So <laughs> what do you we think? will get Randy and Drew next week. What do you think of the uh, the Retribution's new logo that they got? Oh, God. I don't know if I saw it. 
You didn't see it with like the the like it looks like a K, but it's an R, like a stylized R with like the flag stripes afterwards. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Like it's just all so corporate for being such against the WWE corporate machine that they're supposed to be against. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, did we really expect Vince McMahon to understand like? True. Anti-authority and anarchist yeah, is, and the, like you know. this. The, this whole program has been run the exact same way as like all of the years and years of companies going. Wait, why would the person that's not on part of the roster be allowed to come back from the entrance? Like when they come out okay. to interrupt something, it's like this is right. one of those things where it's like we just overlooked it for years. And it's well, like they're just continuing to just overlook that those issues. Well, and funny you mention that too because everybody always gives Bischoff credit for having Scott Hall come through the crowd for the NWO stuff at the beginning, mm-hmm. but then they just stopped, Yeah, you know, and they just started Before coming. Before they're even part of the, the roster, they just started coming out of the entrance. Right. right. So yeah, no, they can't really seem to keep it consistent with that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That sucks for retribution. I wish it wasn't the case, but it doesn't seem like they're, there's probably nothing in the long term plans for uh-uh. them. So I'm just surprised. They also haven't like updated, you know, slapjacks and Mia Yim's masks since they're so bad. <laughs> I think at this point, they're just like, nah, we're about done with this, so yeah. we're just going to write it out. We'll, we'll pay the guy that made this logo, but other than that, we're right. not putting any more money into this. Yeah. Uh, nothing main event. Randy, Miz, and Morris against Drew in the New Day. Uh, you know, it was what it was. On to Dynamite. Uh, pretty solid episode this week. Uh, Ratings-wise, after they'd had a pretty disappointing post-pay-per-view rating, although a lot of that could be attributed to you know the election and the things like that that were going on mm-hmm. um, but this was a good bounce back week for them there the number was also up and it was another solid week of television um Definitely. team taz has uh you know we saw taz putting out bitching about cage and ricky starks and you know all that that he's been doing in, in the recent weeks which i like because these are you know and they are kind of guys that have been they're pushed to the side you know so yeah. there's no like there's nowhere for them you know Definitely. No, and it's one of those things that also, like, because of the whole, like, mock situation when he had to quarantine and all that stuff, they, like, they had that three-way yep. thing going, and they got rid of it, and then, like, I asked you last week about, do we think that they're just going to replace Mox with, with Cody, and oh, that's what they've pretty much done so far this week, <laughs> when uh, he kind of just slipped into that role for Mox with Will Hobbs yep. and uh, Darby Allen. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it was a bit of bad timing. You know, Eddie Kingston kind of coming in the way he came in and, you know, combination yeah. with other things. So definitely. Uh, yeah. Cage picked up a win over Matt Seidel. A solid matchup there. Uh, good you know, good few, to see Matt Seidel on Dynamite. Yeah. I saw a few folks upset that like Seidel just showed up on Dynamite to lose, but it's like, I don't know that they have like, you know, a championship run program in, in mind for him right now. So right. I think that he's just kind of at this level where he's a, he's an established name that you can use to get some, you know, credibility on somebody. And he's also a free agent still. Oh, is he still not officially like just yeah, dynamite? I don't, okay. I don't think because he's he was a part of he's been doing Ring of Honor as also. Oh, good deal, good deal. Okay, so I that's also that. probably a part of it. You know, he's been on because he hasn't even won many matches on Dark either. He's lost mm-hmm. the majority of his, you know most of his matches on Dark too. So, uh, good stuff with Cage there. You know, we'll see when what happens moving forward. And then a segment that just I don't know. I, I don't even know what this was. <laughs> I feel like this is every week with whatever Cody's involved in. It's like, what is this? Yeah. It's because he's, you know, I don't know, whatever. He came out, and I, at first I was thinking, oh, this is great. He wants to, uh, you know, avenge a loss and have a rematch with MJF. That'll, you know, that, that could be fun. And then 
a giant woman appeared behind him. Yeah. And like, there's nothing that maybe I hate worse in wrestling than a reveal like this of someone that like, am I supposed to know who that is? Oh no, I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to. So what's even the point of a reveal and, like that? Like, I don't, I don't know who that is. I'm not even supposed to know who that is. So yeah. And like, she doesn't do a great job of enunciating her own name. I thought for sure this woman's name was Jake for the longest time. <laughs> I was you just said, like, I mean, that's, said, that's interesting. You said, who's, you said, who's Jake Carter? Yeah. And I was like, Jake Carter. And I was like, oh, Jake Cargill. I was like, that makes more sense. Cause then the announcers um, didn't follow up with just saying the person's name, like very clearly, at least that I heard when I was watching. Right. So, well, and she also did that. Another thing I'm not a big fan of in wrestling. She talked as if she did the whole, like, I've been sitting on the sidelines watching. And it's like, I mean, she was there last what? week. Okay, I mean, great, one week. But it's like yeah. she was talking as if she's like someone that's been on the roster mm-hmm. since the beginning of this thing, like a Penelope Ford or somebody yeah. who have been watching from the sidelines. It's like, no, you haven't been watching from the sidelines. <laughs> I don't even know who you are or where you came from. Uh, um, but it is one of those things like she has a body that's impressive enough as far as like just her muscles right. and stuff that it's just like, sure. all right, who is this person? Because I started looking right. like, who's Jake Carter? I was Googling and I couldn't <laughs> find anything. So I was like, all right, I don't know. But... I'm yeah. pretty sure that's Steve Austin's character name from Nash Bridges. <laughs> okay, um, anyway, sorry. She's, she's also, you know, here's the other problem that I have with this. It's like, good thing there weren't fans. Yeah. Because they put this poor woman in a terrible situation. Because she can't cut a promo to save her life. I mean. Like this was, it was bad pacing. Yeah. Just elementary level, like, insults and jabs. It was. No, it was. It felt, it felt very clearly like they figured out exactly what she was going to say before she came out. Oh, and she was kind God. of reciting the lines that she had come up with and maybe, yeah. you know, maybe not even come up with, but has been given. And, and if this was the world of the what chant, she would have been drowned oh my out God. because it was oh, that exact I mean. yeah, pacing. The pacing. Yeah. The pace was just, Oh, so bad. It's like, and you're in the ring and then you're also saying this to Cody Rhodes, which bothered me no i bothered his wife yeah exactly because brandy Rhodes comes out interrupts and uh gets right in her face with what i thought was actually a pretty good promo from brandy other than the fact that it's again another how are we going in this direction all of a sudden and then later in the show she's still going to be with red velvet like (laughs) i that's what i'm yeah i mean my god yeah i guess i'll say i'll maybe i'll save my brandy talk for the next time she's on screen here because yeah no this was fine but it's another thing like yeah, your other angle is dead in the water already. Why are you also now over here? Do you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because also isn't and this is all what apparently has something to do with Shaq. I guess yes, this was all because last week, you know, in Cody's promo, he called himself the giant killer of AEW, and I was like, that feels like a weird term, and it feels like right. a weird thing to just spring up all of a sudden. And so I'm glad that yeah. it was a planting for this. Because then this is what she came out to say that, you know, the person she represents, you know, has a problem with him saying that yeah. because he's a real giant. And then I'm just like sitting here racking my mind. Like, who have they possibly recently signed? That's a giant. That's tall. Like, who could they possibly have? Right. And then Great she goes colleague. and then she says, like, you know, and congratulations on your name. But too bad you didn't have enough balls to go by one name like the giant that I that I represent does. And it's like, well, Shaquille O'Neal is still known as Shaquille O'Neal. It's not like, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's Shaq, which, holy crap, you know, that's a big time promotion, you know, and it, and it makes sense with TNT that well, this so yeah, would be the, the direction thing. they would go. But yeah. 
I am very excited to see what this possible car crash is going to look like. Because I can't imagine Shaquille O'Neal, at the age he is, with the size he is for the years right. he's been, has the knees to do anything on an uneven surface. Like, if this was, you know, a hard floor, I feel Nothing. like he'd be okay. But when you've got that spring going, that's really going to fuck with him. It, it, yeah, they're not going to be able to have a good match. He couldn't have a match with the Big Show like five years ago, remember? Well, he couldn't when have a match were... with the Big Show, and I'm glad that this is a different direction because that's what when they were you know announcing that it was going to be Big Show and Shaq, it's like, well, that's right. obviously going to be dog shit. This yeah. match, if Cody can you know at least work around the man, you could at least pull out something interesting. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, you're not wrong. I just also look at something like this, and I don't like to get into the middle of these battles, but man, celebrity involvement. My God, when the WWE does it, it yeah. is hell freezing over, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened in <laughs> professional wrestling. You know, we've, we dodged the Mike Tyson bullet with him and Chris Jericho because of, I don't know, probably contract. I mean, the, or something. that might still happen once this, this fight that oh, Tyson's God. getting ready for is done with because they, they, they set that up hard. Yeah, I know. I just, I hate celebrity stuff. I, I, I I'm hoping that the use of the celebrity stuff is used for TV. That this is this is the uh, the angle that I was thinking of. By the way, right. when we were discussing earlier, like about what day it's going to happen on. It's like December second makes a whole lot of sense when you've got that the NBA starting up on Christmas. Yep. You've got this building towards that, and and right. they've done a good job. TNT has done a good job of forcing their sports guys to promote AEW and talk oh, about yeah. AEW, and so oh, yeah. at least this brings that legitimate like actual connection together yeah. and it doesn't feel as much as just forced reads that they have to do you know what i mean yeah. oh yeah i mean every time ernie johnson would do a dynamite read <laughs> like Shaq and charles barkley would always start talking about chris jericho usually nice like oh yeah buddy chris jericho um <laughs> so yeah whatever well i just not a big fan of the I'm, celebrity stuff i'm also and, not a big fan of the cody character so yeah so the cody thing's been you know hit or miss for me for the last few months right. but the thing that I texted to you as well is if this Jade Cargill lady is as green as she seems on the mic, how green right. is she going to be in the ring? Oh. And why are we introducing oh. her? Why couldn't we I, have anyone in the world represent Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> well, I, that's what I wonder about this girl. Like, is she here for good or is this just, uh, you know, or is she just kind of here for the Shaq stuff to be the counter to Brandy? Maybe. You know, like, is that, I mean. Yeah, does she have a personal connection to Shaq otherwise? Like, how yeah, does, I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious on what's going to happen in the future, but it doesn't seem super promising as far as, like, no. great matches go. No, no, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm glad Cody, the workhorse, is going to take a break and well, have an angle with Shaq. Like I said, if, you have, if you're going to put anybody against him, you put the guys that can that can work around well, him. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. That can work around him. Like, I'm thinking around. of, um, for some reason, the, the other, like, it, I don't, I can't think of the specific match that he would have done this in, but, like, Ricky Steamboat comes to mind with the way that, like, the way that they oh, portrayed sure. Cody lately. Not necessarily in, like, his heel stuff, but the right. way that he wrestles and the way that he's kind of had matches with just about everybody and all these different sizes of characters. Um, yeah. I feel like there's a connection there for some reason. You're not wrong. Um, I enjoyed the bunkhouse match. I'm glad yeah. that they did this. But I'd like to see them, see them do more I, of this. I wish they would have done a better job explaining what the fuck a bunkhouse means. <laughs> well, you kind of know. I mean, that's an it's an old WCW thing yeah. or NWA JCP thing. Um, but anyway, what I don't need is QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes getting a victory over the Butcher and the Blade, though. Like <sighs> I forgot that that was where that ended. Yeah, like, I, I was like, oh, good. Butcher and Blade can get a win. They never get a win. No. no. And also, <laughs> hey, QT Marshall, 
QT, uh, we're in a pandemic. You can save the blade job. And it was also a blatant blade job, dude. Like, yeah. old school, just like perfect line across his forehead kind of thing. Like, come on, mm. man. Like, I know I'm sure that was all allowed and told was okay, but I don't think we need to be bleeding on each other in a, during the pandemic. Just by yeah. opinion. Yeah, you're probably not wrong there. Because what does it add? You know, it's like me and my goober friends when we were in a backyard wrestling. And there's nobody watching. No one's ever going to watch it. And we're bleeding on each other. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. what's, the, what's the fucking point of this? So, uh, no, you're yeah. not wrong. Anyway, it was a good match. I like the match, though. I, I love the butcher. Like, he grows on me more and more every week. I just, Dude, he wrestled the whole fucking match in an apron. Like, that is amazing. Well, that too. Um, yeah. But yeah. just the thing that I was thinking about when I was watching this match is just how good of a guy must QT Marshall be? Like, he just must be the greatest oh, guy to be around. Because how the fuck Dustin Rhodes has been tied to this man in the in the, the twilight of his career at the ability that he still has? I'm uh, amazed. Like, uh, you could be doing all these programs with all these other guys, but you're stuck here with this tag team in the natural nightmares. I I don't know. You're right, man. He is just must be the nicest guy in the world. Because I, <laughs> I, I also see it as... Dustin could be with Sonny Kiss, which was something that I thought mm-hmm. I remember was a possibility at one time, you know, a while back. I think like, they teased it at know, one point, yeah. I like I like the idea of him in like a mentor role in a tag team or something. Yeah. I don't like it with hair plugs QT and, you know, <laughs> his apple. Like I'm just yeah. <sighs> I don't know. It seems like it, it's a good idea, but I feel like there's a lot of people that would be better in that role and that would gain Definitely. a lot more from it, so. Yep. Goodness. Um I'm already almost like kind of annoyed and over the MJF stuff, which is just funny. Like how quickly, like I loved dinner debonair and like, so that's now I'm like already kind of just over it. We had the induction this week into the inner circle. And I mean, the thing that I liked about this was that they established like clearly like portrayed lines of what each character's feeling. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, Ortiz, who's against it. You've got Sammy, who's completely against it. And, Ortiz, and Sammy's continually getting fucked with by MJFs mm-hmm. already. Like, I like yeah. that that's kind of being pushed together. Um, I, I really enjoyed the over-the-top way that these guys were so excited about going to Vegas. That cracked me up. <laughs> and Jim Ross, for the one thing that he did good on this show, was that yeah. fucking line about, it's probably a bus ticket. They probably got to leave tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was that amazing. Was I also loved his line after they did the balloon release. Not taking into account that there was gale force winds in like Jacksonville that night, and it's funny they even tried to take a shot of it, and they were on it for like half a second before they realized, get off it, get off it. Because I must have balloon, looked away. I missed this completely. The balloons just drop and just whoosh. They're just gone. They're, they don't even make it on camera on the wide shot. They don't even come oh. down that far. They're just up in the air and gone. And uh, they the announcers all kind of laugh at it, and JR just goes, Another stunt gone wrong. Those balloons are probably downtown Jacksonville right now. <laughs> and then Excalibur says, Yeah, twenty five hundred dollars well spent. <laughs> I do like it when they get to, you know, have that kind of fun on the air. Yeah, so they're all going to Vegas. Yeah. I already saw a picture posted that was funny. Yeah. Let me know if them I'm sure that'll be a good segment. I don't know. It's just it's it is so heavy handed that it's like I don't know how many weeks of this I can take because it is yeah. just so it's, this is this is very Chris Jericho. Like this oh, yeah. is so Chris Jericho. This whole like yeah. situation. But and like I said, I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just saying like it is getting to the point now where it's like borderline annoying. And I just there's just something about MJF. I know you all say, well, that he's a heel. Yeah, but there's just something else about MJF. Like I, I just mean, yeah. 
No, the other thing that, as far as this storyline goes, that I am loving is the Wardlow and Jake Hager like tension. Yeah. Like even that picture that they that they posted of them in Vegas, they're staring at each other. Like mm-hmm. I, I am well, really in, looking forward to that. Yeah, there's one in Vegas on the rooftop where everyone is like having a pretty good time. But the one when they're all just holding up their tickets and like Santana was like on board with it, and Ortiz was still upset, and Hager mm-hmm. and Wardlow were like staring at each other, and like you yeah, know, it's there's some good parts about it. Um. Young Bucks promo, they talk about Top Flight, who was a young tag team, uh, brothers as well, who just yeah. were on Dark recently and are obviously been all over the independent scene. You've probably heard of them by now. Uh, but yeah, they're going to fight them next week on Dynamite. And I guess the Young Bucks are good guys again. See, I didn't get that. I, I, I didn't necessarily get that from this. I, th- I feel like this is similar to the Kenny Omega thing where this is disingenuous okay. good guys. Okay. Um, just because there's something about Matt Jackson when he lets the hair down and puts in that earring that it's just like, I hate this guy. Like, I want him to lose so badly all the time. Like, yeah, that's that, like, I, that it, it's, it's crazy to me that I've been so cold on this character change. And then like the last two weeks, I realized like what it is that I'm really disliking about him. And it's this <laughs> earring and, and the hair being down. And yeah, Nick Jackson kind of came off as maybe a little bit of a bait, but it looks the same. And I think that yeah. might be part of it. No, you're not wrong. Uh, so, yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, you're not wrong. Uh, they also did the FTR lines, you know, with the whole, like, you know, top guys out and oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. So, They'll continue so yeah, you're right. That. I guess that is still kind of heelish, but FTR heels. So, yeah. I don't, you know, who knows? But anyway, um, we finally got our Sean Spears Scorpio Sky match. Uh-huh. Uh, Don Spears picked up the victory in this one. So. Dude, these two guys, like, when they came out and I saw their records, it's just like, they've just been building up singles wins. Like, oh, how are yeah. they not challenging for the main title at this point? Like, either of them. These two, I think, are on every episode of Dark, and they're always in a singles match with a <laughs> yes. guy I've never heard of. And so, yeah, I, I would imagine they've picked up a good amount of victories by now. Um, so, yeah, solid matchup here. Not the end of things, I wouldn't imagine. Scorpio was rather dejected after the match. So yeah, we'll what did you think of like you know this sort of old school heel ending with Tully Blanchard and the the slug? Well, it's 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 great. It's you know, again for me, someone that doesn't watch every bit of programming this company puts mm-hmm. on the internet. I haven't seen much of this. I remember like when he was paired with Tully. Yeah. I remember when he got the glove. Yes, <laughs> and then I don't know that he's been on Dynamite since that happened until this fight right here. So yeah, he was standing off to the side at one point on Dynamite yeah. recently, but yeah. So yeah, no, it's good. It's good to see. It's good old school stuff. I love Bryce Rimsberg thoroughly investigating the glove after the match, and mm-hmm. you know them, you know, hiding it back. I think in Tully's pocket. One thing that did make me laugh. <laughs> so Tully Blanchard, and maybe I'm sure it's just a company mandate, but he comes out and he has a mask on. But as soon as he like walks out the entranceway, he pulled his mask off. Yes. And I'm like, okay, like, I, and if anybody probably should just keep the mask on, it's people like Tully Blanchard, yeah, like the man, the you know, managers so, that are older. I yeah, I don't know. I just it was just funny how he had it on. I was like, oh, good for you. Oh, you you ripped it off the second <laughs> you were. On, it's, like, it's like we watched Trump with with his COVID go back to the White House and he ripped it off so he could sit there and <laughs> breathe hard. Right. Um, we get kind of an awkward thing here. It's not really Dasha's fault. She's just a little awkward. I'm not saying she doesn't get her job, but they just do this weird thing where like, uh, we're going to toss to Dasha, yeah. who was supposed to be interviewing Kenny Omega. Uh, Dasha? It's like, well, you already have said that she isn't about... Yeah. And she's just like, hey, guys, I <laughs> I had Kenny right here, and now he's gone. I'm like, why did you even put that poor girl in that spot? Like, that was just a oh. dumb thing to do. Like, I feel like that was just something to be a little bit different, maybe... To right. not have that, you know, that formulaic, we go to the guy with the with the wrestler. But 
But yeah, it was weird. And then to cut to Alex Marvez of all the people they could send running after a person. Yeah. What is it? I feel like this company went from having like a dozen backstage interview people to now it's just Alex Marvez. And they have Dasha, but I feel like they don't ever put where's, Dasha in many of these situations. Where's what's her name? Jen Sturger. What what happened to her? I is think, she just only doing like their web videos now? Didn't she announce like she had left? Oh, company? maybe that's the case. Because, I mean, like in the early COVID days, they just had her doing a few web things. But Yeah, I thought I could have swore that she was someone that had like posted like, hey, I'm no longer with the company. That, you know, mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but yeah, poor Alex Marvez. Even JR made a comment about, man, Alex Marvez working all over the place tonight. <laughs> um, but he chases Kenny down in the parking lot. And it is kind of like, what? what? I don't know. It's just one of those weird things where it's like, why would Kenny leave? And he's never really explains like, oh, I had to go do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just, I think you know, it's just him being be, an I asshole. Be yeah, I think it's just just trying to make him into an asshole. Okay. I mean, I mean, that's fine. Yeah, he tells him that, you know, John Moxley has something that he wants. He's tired of being an afterthought. Um, he's tapping back into the cleaner. Um, and also brings up, I thought was a really good point, that there is no record of John Moxley's victory over Kenny Omega because... Mm-hmm. If y'all remember, that was an unsanctioned match. Oh, and, and and when it happened, they made that very clear. Like they were like, these aren't official on right. the on the record books, and they yep. like, and it was like kind of like, man, why are you guys making this so? But it was you know they're establishing things. But I'm glad that they were able to then use it to call back and have this yeah. Kenny Omega, who's a disingenuous babyface, is what I'm still <laughs> calling this character, because you know yeah. he's talking about you know giving the fans what they want and being the person they want him to be and all that. But it's still very clear that he's you know kind of in it for himself, sort of a thing. No, you're not wrong there. Great stuff, though. I mean, I've loved the character. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't really touch on him at all this week. I guess maybe they're giving it a week off, but it was so cute I wanted to mention it that uh, Nolly, you know, friend of the show Tom Green's son, mm-hmm. had posted a video to Hangman Adam Page uh, consoling him after Aww. he's had, after he had a bad week and he had mentioned it in the interview before the ship pay-per-view. So he had sent him that, and then I never saw any response. But then just today on Facebook, and I think maybe on Twitter, they posted a picture that they got a package in the mail from Adam Page with a holy shit a, a signed picture that said thanks you know your video made me feel a lot better and he also got uh, his children's book dude that's Page. fucking cool so yeah so that was cool nice thing there but yeah they didn't follow up on Page this week which was yeah I mean last week I had I had missed out on the the biggest part of that like Kenny Omega coming out at, at full gear and helping the Bucks is that. Page apparently I missed the shot of it, but he was like lurking in the wings, about to come out, and then was very clearly you know uncomfortable to come out and then mm-hmm. stayed in the back. But yeah, so good stuff there. Beyond the Kenny side of it, it's been great. Um, and then we had a main event, a Phoenix and Pentagon just trying oh, to injure one another. I don't want to. I don't want to drag this out too long, oh, but I did want to make mention that Ty Conti oh, I'm sorry. was really yeah, I didn't good mean in her to skip match. That. I didn't, yeah, I didn't mean to skip that. Yeah, Ty Conti uh, beat Red Velvet. Um, I had been talking talking to you, and like I know this stuff is addressed on Dark and mm-hmm. other things, but it was just weird to me because they also the announcers don't really say anything about it. Like Anna J comes out with Tay Conti, yeah, and she's in the Dark Order, and I know you had said that she's kind of not as in all in as some of the guys in the group or whatever. But yeah. when she's been on the stage with the group, she kind of has the like deadpan zombie face on it you know <laughs> seems like she's under their control okay and so when she came out here i was just like literally thought did i miss her leaving the dark order it's like oh yeah no the commenters later did bring up they're like oh and she's trying to get ty to you know join the group with her mm-hmm. and then you also had the brandy road side of this match 
There's, yeah. It's just all these angles that they've barely done on TV, <laughs> and now they're trying to like put two of them in your face yeah. at one on TV. Because Brandy was still in like upset about the Jade Cargill thing earlier, mm-hmm. so she was like uninterested in being there, which I felt like <laughs> which, didn't do this Red Velvet girl yes, any favors. It doesn't help Red Velvet at all. Yeah, I, I was I was so, thought that was kind of strange. It was odd. I was just so. Whatever. No, yeah, and then like the ending because of the the awkward storyline, oh, yeah. like it was just kind of an awkward end with like Anna Jay coming into the ring and kind of celebrating with oh. her, but. Like Ty well, Conti not knowing what emotion to put on her face, well, kind of seemingly. Well, because, yeah, because Ty had refused the chair. Yeah. Like, Anna Jay tried to get her to use a chair, and Ty was like, no, no, no. So, in a normal match, you would think that means, oh, Red Velvet wins. <laughs> and then Anna Jay is like, see? Yeah. I told you to use the chair. Should, now you should join the Dark Order. Instead, no, Ty did just fine without the chair and beat Red Velvet mm-hmm. clean. And then I told you, like, it's her th- one of her things are her facial expressions. Like you go back to NXT, people would always posting all these pictures of her wild eyes and yeah, know, yeah. It's one of her kind of things. But in this match, she has this like, I'm kind of happy face, <laughs> but I'm regretfully happy. Yeah, because I didn't eat to win. But I don't know. It was all a little bit confusing. So it's like way to go. You you involve women on your show outside of the title situation, but you try to shove two storylines in our face that haven't been all that well fleshed out and it was just you know yeah the match itself was fine though yeah i thought the match was 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 good i i was ex- i'm excited to see where both these women kind of continue on because I've, yeah. I've i've enjoyed red velvet when i've seen her in the ring and i've, I've mm-hmm. really liked ty conti as well especially lately yeah so will time will tell but yes I'm the sure. main event uh yeah. brother versus brother here fantastic match like just downright great main event Absolutely outstanding stuff. Eddie Kingston on commentary uh, was also wonderful. These two, though, it's like, do you guys have any interest in wrestling, say, a year from now, <laughs> six months from now? Like, I just yeah. literally, like, it's that's what I said. Phoenix and Pentagon tried to hurt each other for about 20 minutes on Dynamite <laughs> Wednesday. Um, man, just the package pile drivers over and over from Pentagon, mm-hmm. um, eventually hitting the one in the ring. This is after he did one on the floor and on the apron. Yep. Um, the ripping the of the masks. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Your brothers. Like they were both trying to take the other one's mask off. I, which, that's what I loved so much. Tony Schiavone's input and build and, and assistance in this match. Like him, yeah. you know, putting the pressure on on King Kingston, being hey. like, "You're causing this rift. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, why are you such a cancer to these brothers?" What are you? Look exactly. at what you've caused. Sort of thing. I loved his him doing that, and I don't know if you caught all of it on TNT because I was watching the international feed, so you, I got huh. to see like the picture in picture with audio. And dude, okay. Kingston and Tony Schiavone were just back and forth the entire commercial break, and then all <laughs> really? of a sudden, and I was like, "Man, this is great stuff." And then Jr. goes, "Welcome back, folks." I was like, "Well, fuck, nobody heard any of that. God damn it." <laughs> <laughs> nobody heard any of it. Um, yeah. So and things would get would get more interesting after the match. Pentagon gets the win. Uh, Eddie would come in the ring and kind of congratulate Pentagon and almost, you know, insinuate that he doesn't need Phoenix, even kicking Phoenix out of the ring. Yeah. Telling Pentagon he doesn't need his brother. Um, But before this can really develop or go much farther, we have the return of the bastard, Pac. Oh, yeah. Dude, I I didn't expect this to be like to be at the very end. Like once that main event ends, like you don't really expect anything else. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah. they'll finish out. And then, dude, when that music hit, like 
that was the first like big moment I felt in a while. Like, you know, cause the COVID situation True. without the crowd, you know, and there's a small yeah. crowd at these AEW tapings, but mm-hmm. this felt like a big deal to me. And, and, and it's a great way to not have Kingston need to be going back at the title or back at Moxley right. in any way. Like it's a great way to just divert him immediately into something else. It's just also, it's only a little strange to me from the standpoint that they literally just did that video. Wasn't that last week with Pac? Where it was like the first time we'd heard from him mm-hmm. in seven months. Was, and then yeah, did like, the whole, we're like, either two weeks ago or last week, yeah. Uh, where he's been in like complete isolation and he's gone insane. I don't know. I just thought it was a little strange that it's like they were that close together between like establishing what he's been up to and they're like, and hey, now he's back. Like, oh, like, okay. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I took it as, you know, when you first hear about, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I didn't necessarily think that that video was just like an update while he's gone sort of a thing of more of just right. like he's about to come back. So let's get the character back on screen sort of a thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, there's a pull apart between Kingston and Pac. Um, next week, Pac's going to fight the Blade, which uh, so I'm imagining this is going to probably shake out into Phoenix and uh, Penta being back with Pac and then. Kingston will have the butcher and the blade. I don't know. I'm curious if that's the case or if it'll be something where like Pentagon has been turned a little bit already and, and isn't going to necessarily jump right back in line because obviously that's what Pac's going to be upset about. The fact that like, did you ruin like this tech team that was part of my trios, but no, you're not wrong with that. Um, yeah. So really solid episode there. Uh, cute few quick things. Um, Leon Ruff beat Johnny Gargano for the North American title on NXT. There's a, Okay. Did you see this? No, but it's just strange that there's a Leo Rush and now there's a man named Leon Ruff. <laughs> Leon Ruff. Well, Leon Ruff's been around for a while. I've he not was heard an of Leon guy. Ruff. Okay. He was an evolved guy and he signed, and his wife also um, is a referee in NXT. So. Oh, okay. No, um, I yeah, did he's not a, see this, by the way. I did not. Yeah, it was a, it was a good underdog thing there. Uh, Johnny had a wheel with names on it. He was going to spin the wheel to figure out his next opponent. And of course, it landed on Leon Ruff instead of anybody that you know you would have wanted it to be. Um, and then Damian Priest cost Gargano the match. Leon rolls him up, and oh. one, two, three. Leon Ruff's your new North American champion. So, gotcha. Uh, good, you know, solid stuff there. Uh, yeah, Candice LeRae and Tony Storm had a match that it got messed up, and Shotzi came out because I don't. I think we you saw Candice LeRae ran over Shotzi's tank. Which yes, yeah, I did see um, that. Shotzi came out for revenge, but Indy Hartwell under the Scream costume that had been, you know, the the person that helped Johnny at Halloween oh, Havoc. Okay. And, you know, I had guessed it was going to be Indy Hartwell. I was like, I don't know why they haven't just revealed that it's her. But, uh, yeah, she came out and helped Candace beat up Shotzi. And so nice uh, that that all continues. Uh, yeah, Pat McAfee shit. There was a tag team title match. You know, whatever they do, you buy everybody up. Do you buy him telling people now that he's one of the few people that are allowed to be unscripted and no unscripting any of his stuff? Probably. Why not? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, it explains the long windedness and like the way that he was beating right. around the bush a few weeks ago. But at yeah. the same time, I feel like that's also something that he would want to brag about to the people in the public, and that maybe he would lie about if even if it wasn't. So I don't know. I get. Yeah. Who knows. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was how that sh- the show ended. They laid everybody out, and you know nobody had a good time. Uh, Kurt Stallion, former Evolve guy, wins the number one contenders fatal five way match on the two hundred and fifth episode of Two Hundred Five Live oh, wow. to uh, become the number one contender for the cruiserweight title. So you know, cool to see there for Kurt Stallion, who just definitely recently signed with the company and came in. So uh, good deal there. And uh, 
Chelsea Green debuted on SmackDown and broke her arm. Dude, it was it was one of those things because you know a few days before she had tweeted that thing about it's been this many days and I still haven't wrestled, and mm-hmm. it seemed like she was just one of those Tucker forgotten people that the that Vince just forgot that he yeah. had you know introduced, and right. and then like this was this big surprise moment where you know it's gonna be a three way match. Oh no, it's gonna be a four way now. She here she comes. And then, like, literally, I saw the tweet from Zia Lee about, like, hey, I see a girl, like, oh, with her entering the ring. And then, like, yeah. the next thing I do, I update my Twitter, and there's a picture from her with her x-ray of her broken wrist being like, well, I'm done yeah. now. Like, holy shit, what bad timing. I feel so bad for the girl. You feel, yeah, you do feel bad for her. I mean, it's just awful timing. Um, I haven't, you know, I don't know. It's and not now, a is need. that a wrist that's been repaired before because the x-ray looked like it broke like right along where she has like a plate in there i think so like yeah she's had she had a uh yeah because i think she had a bad suicide dive landing or something okay where she had planted and like messed out yeah she's you know you hate to say it but she's been injury prone so far i mean i don't know if you've ever seen the classic (laughs) the video i know lance storm gave her crap about back when he was doing his podcast still had her on the that match she has in Japan where she's in the corner and she gets the running drop kick that just about breaks her in half. Oh my gosh. I don't think I've seen that. No. Oh man. It was, I think she, yeah, she was bad messed up after that one too. Um, yeah. You know, you hate to ever say someone's like injury prone, but I think she's kind of injury prone. Yeah. uh, Hopefully she can, you know, bounce back and, you know, have a, a long prosperous career, but yeah. Yeah. Not not been the case so far. So yeah, you hate to see it, but uh, I think Liv got the win. So yay, Team SmackDown! It's <laughs> Ruby Riot, Liv, and Bianca Belair so far because they're the, apparently yeah. the the team that's taking their time making their picks. If they, you're they, if you're someone that's really into both Liv Morgan and, and Ruby Riot, they they did a good video right. backstage of them like mm-hmm. celebrating the fact that they're both going to be on the team. Uh, so that yep. was cool to see. But although you know, as far right. as the storyline stuff, I'm like, well, okay, I guess the Riot Squad's back. <laughs> Right, exactly. And otherwise, they had a Drew McIntyre kind of making a special appearance this week because Which, he may be fighting Roman because he has a title match. They're trying to add yeah. some doubt to Randy winning on Monday, so whatever. Yep. Seems to be the, what they're doing. So that is the current world of wrestling. Um, anything else before we close up on this? Uh, No, I think that's it. All right, cool. Hold on a second. 